Welcome to True Independent Media, Real News Live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Night Live. It is Saturday, December 19th. 2020 and we are looking all looking forward to a special christmas present i think wouldn't it be great uh sebastian has decided to join me today he's back there he will probably be leaving us soon but uh it's great to guys to have all you guys here tonight i'm i've got uh candace whitelight of course is our regular saturday guest tv's blake wally is right below me and over there in the hollywood squares in the corner is casey jones from san diego casey how are you doing tonight I'm doing great. Great to see everybody's face and everybody in the chat. So excited for another SNL. Let's do it. Candice, how are you doing tonight? It's a good day. I mean, it was as confusing as any. So I'm just kind of flowing with it. Flow state, you know, everybody kind of get into it. And TV's Blake Wally, somewhere east of California. How are you today? I'm doing great. Um, looking forward to another edition of SNL. And I'm uh, curious also what this all is breaking news this week. Well, yeah. well we, we shall see. It's going to be interesting. Tonight, I am drinking a, once again, a Jeremiah Red from um, BJ's Brew House, which is one of my, I have two cats in here, one of my favorite uh, brews of all time. It's a red beer. It is delicious and sweet. What are we drinking, Blake? You got anything there tonight? What's uh, what's yeah, A couple of things. I've actually got a uh, hot toddy. Ooh. Those of you, that's a brandy, hot water, lemon, and honey. You know, that's for your... Uh, that's for your respiratory disease that you had a problem with, right? Your respiratory problem? Well, we actually asked with Jennifer. She said it was uh, probably a dust thing. And it turns out that this the place that I'm in had no filter on the uh, oh, on the yeah, wall. Yeah. Like, oh, that's why there's so much dust in here. So I think I got a little something. Uh -huh. but it's already going away. And, you know, Ox, beers, Candace, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm going to just go with uh, some green tea again, but I'm thinking of breaking out a Guinness a little later because it should be fun with the uh, Christmas thing. And um, I really like the idea of the hot toddy. I'm going to have to kind of think about that. Think about doing that. Casey, what are we drinking tonight? It is festive. I'm doing a little soda water and Trulies. Um, you know, black cherry is my fave. Trulies, which is what kind of drink? It's just like a hard seltzer. Okay, cool. What's the alcohol in it? Um, I don't know. Should be five, I think. <laughs> oh, five. Is it vodka? What is, what is it? I don't know. All right. It's like a, it's like a vodka and soda, really. It's like yeah. if you were going to drink like a Stoli raspberry and soda, like a black cherry vodka and soda, that would pretty much be like that. Yeah, they get a bad yeah. rap for tasting like Zima, but they're actually pretty good. They're really good. And they're only 100 calories. So you can drink a few of them. And, you know, it's almost like a glass of wine, but still kind of bubbly and tasty. So, so yeah. ladies, I got to ask you this question because I've always wanted to know the answer to this. And I've never had a woman give me a straight answer. Uh, Candace and Casey, if I'm out at a bar, which, you know. I probably shouldn't be doing too much of anymore. But assuming I'm out at a bar or a club and a girl orders a vodka cranberry, should I assume she has a bladder infection and she's out of commission for the night? Just a question. I mean, or, or is, is cranberry juice just something that ladies like to drink with their vodka? I don't know. Is there always a medicinal purpose to it? I, I can answer if you want, because just as a bartender from experience. Oh, oh yes. Give well, us your expertise in the house. Let's hear it. 
Well, in Vegas, so I think cranberry is very strong, so it kind of masks the vodka, so you can't taste it. But it would drive me crazy sometimes because, like, towards the end of the night when people are getting really drunk, they can't taste it. So they always accuse you of not putting enough vodka in there when there, there's plenty. So, But, um, no, if you're going to drink something, that's not too bad because cranberry juice is uh, good for you. I, I like, I've always liked vodka tonic, but I always wondered about – Vodka soda with a lot on the side. Vodka well, soda with the side. It's just that's the best. That's definitely the best. All right. Okay. Well, I, yeah. mystery's still not solved. Uh, okay, guys. So I think the main thing about um, about tonight is uh, Simon Parks did two updates in the last two days. One about 90 minutes yesterday and another one about uh, 15, 20, 25 minutes today. So it was almost two hours of updates. And he talked about how there were things he couldn't talk about. And um, there were some fascinating things that he he did bring up, kind of things we've heard before. One of them I thought was most interesting was that he said, yeah, two justices on the Supreme Court were busted. Basically, their communications were recorded by the NSA, who is on the Patriot side, um, basically talking about how much they hated Trump and how there was no fucking way he was going to get reelected in a couple months. This was in August. Those two justices are John Roberts and uh, Justice Breyer, who was appointed by the Clintons. The Bush-Clinton crime family is a cartel. They've operated together for decades. Um, and he indicated very strongly that in his opinion that neither one of them was going to be around very long. Um, also indicating perhaps that they were going to be either recusing themselves from the election cases or they were going to be basically removed from the Supreme Court, which would be interesting if that went down. Um, Candace, any quick thoughts on that or do you want to save everything till we get done here? You want to just give me a quick comment on it, on those rumors? Well, yeah, you know, I have a, um, you know, he happens to be one of those people that's right some of the time and I, I really don't follow him, but um, I can say that it looks really, you know, kind of in a way that I've gotten from my intel is that uh, Roberts is definitely compromised. So that's, mm. I think, a, a true statement. Un unleash the Candace. I like that. Um, another thing, another thing that came up, which was really interesting in, in his updates was that he basically said, look, um, the Texas case went in under Article 2 of the Constitution. It needed to go in under Article 3. And if it goes in under Article 3, the Supreme Court is going to be forced to accept it, to accept the case and rule on the case, which makes it, you know, kind of interesting. And and again, he didn't talk, he didn't talk much about the other court cases, but he was describing to people, you know, how the process works with the Electoral College and the fact that kind of there's no way around it. The courts are going to have to decide, and if they fail to decide, then we've got the legislatures coming in. And behind that, we even have the military. He reiterated again um, that they were caught with the fraud red-handed, that this stuff was all observed in a White House situation room. What? what? Khaleesi, what? What are you doing back there? Stop it. Khaleesi, stop it. Bad girl. That's not lady. <laughs> <laughs> Pats, pats are always fun. Um, that basically that, you know, that stuff was going to come out. He talked about what I thought was really fascinating. And this is where what I thought of where I thought about you, Candace, was he said that according to his information, that Q was a computer. 
And it was an artificial intelligence, a super sophisticated quantum computer, which could look at events. And he said, it's like, a, like if you think about a computer that plays chess, a computer that plays chess, what they do, what it does is it looks at all the possible moves and says, okay, if you do this, your opponent will do this, 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 or this. Whereas these computers, the computer that generates the Q stuff, is a computer that says, if you do this, they will do this. In other words, it is not a series of options. It's like it knows what the other guys are going to do. It, it operates on such a level of sophistication. And, um, and, and he says it can predict the future up to six months in advance. And then after that, everything kind of drops into a choice situation. You know, people start changing their minds and then it's harder to figure these things out. This is kind of exactly how Jen describes remote viewing. So uh, I wanted to say, Candace, that I thought it was really fascinating that he reiterated exactly what you've talked about, uh, which is that Q is kind of got this really sophisticated computer thing behind it. Well, yeah, I mean, I was um, brought into this a while ago, so I'm privy to a lot of sort of high-level intelligence here. But um, we can say that, you know, the whole, uh, you know, new movement that started in 2017, and I'm trying to sort of think this through as to how to explain it, but um, was very important in terms of the foundation because it, it came from a group uh, that were basically gamers. And these are guys and girls that were, you know, deep embedded into these systems. They knew how they worked. Uh, they were hackers, basically. And they were, you know, at a time when nobody was paying any attention. So uh, they built this up and it came to pass that it, it uh, started to be a good research project. And when they first started doing it, they linked up with a lot of, as we know it, military intelligence. So, you know, they have supercomputers that are like a thousand times the power of anything that's known about yeah. right now. Yeah. And uh, they had links all over the world, which is, of course, the other level that we're finding out and that we now know we have all of this information that's come out of China for the last uh, certainly five years. Um, but, you know, it goes back further than that. But um, it was set up as a, a supercomputer that, that could uh, do uh, predictions. And there was a man about 10 years ago, uh, De La Sentes, that uh, did a lot of research. And he found out that this is by doing um, searches and looking at uh, trends in terms of what people were looking at and where they were looking from, they, he could actually predict the future. Now, this has nothing to do with remote viewing. This has to do with technology and the fact right. that we are deep embedded in these systems and people are figuring it out to the point that when the Q movement got started back in 2017, that all of this had been done to a degree where all we were doing at that point in time is putting it together as far as what's called the Q clock, which is a monument to basically being able to align events and then look forward in time, future proves past, and that then you have a scenario that you can work off of that uh, is actually pretty dang good. So, you know, we all have a chance now to look back into it and anybody that wants to go on to the, uh, the boards and to look back into 
all the work that has been done and the people worldwide and it's all anonymous. So, you know, you're safe and you can comment, you can do research. Um, you know, it's not like it was because uh, what has happened and how I was uh, described this is that uh, after the election, we have a period of time here until the uh, election is resolved, but every, everybody's on blackout right now, which really means that even Q is not necessarily yeah. allowed to post. So we have distance of time that between Q posts that I've been analyzing for quite a while because I was given that that particular job and, and sort of picked up on it. So, and those particular things have significance. Then we also have timestamps, dates, and then the Q drop numbers. All of those are a part of this coding that has been going on. So it's really fascinating and uh, I've enjoyed it for quite a while. And, uh, you know, I really say that, you know, we'll look back on this time period and we'll say, gosh, you know, this was like an amazing thing that we could actually back then have Q drops that said what was going to happen on a date, you know, right, you know, last week or whatever. So the last drop, I think, was on the 12th, which is putting us a week away now. And uh, yeah, you know, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's what I know about it. And certainly... It is a military operation. It certainly is something that is a supercomputer. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's AI. I think that that's kind of, um, it describes another operation. These are all operations that work on under this uh, kind of uh, letterhead, you know, that <laughs> you can say has been uh, the case. So that's sort of how I know that it works. And certainly people are picking up on it now. That's kind of exciting. Yeah, and I mean, another thing that he did say, which I thought was very interesting and probably certain people in Michigan, like uh, Joe will be real happy to hear, is that every governor or secretary of state or major election official that certifies, knowingly certifies a fraudulent vote is going to be tried in a quasi-military tribunal for treason, and they are not going to let any of them get away. They're, they're all going to be tried. They're all going to go to prison, uh, at the very least, because uh, I think the I think treason is from twenty years to death. Those are the or death sentence. Those are the those are the different sentences with treason. So um, I thought that was compelling. Also, it's it's yeah. if they're going to well, yeah yeah. I'll just add to that because basically we've got another situation that's really important here um, is the charge of sedition, which actually is a little less of a charge, but certainly in terms of people that were just working down there at the polls and, and doing counting, they're going to have a little different charge than actually the ones that were controlling this, which is really what we're trying to get through to right now. So. Um, this actually plays in really strongly to the 219,000 um, sealed indictments that exist. And yeah. I was told about this a while ago that about two thirds of them more likely than not are for, are for voter fraud. And this goes back to 2018, which of course was our last election. And, and it's been, you know, uh, done in all the states. So you've got people that are sitting out there thinking they're all free and easy that are going to get a knock on the door and they're going to say, oh, remember you doing that back in 2018, 2019, 2020. 
um, and they're going to be then, um, you know, going through this, which is, is one of my dead man switches actually too. So um, this is interesting. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I also think, you know, people are asking about what Juan said the other day about uh, 11.3. I think we should at least address that. And um, but I think, again, you have to remember that there are all these um, there are all these, you know, hidden indictments, these these sealed indictments, which have yet to be unsealed, but that are going to be unsealed. Did you guys see that Anthony Fauci told kids that he, uh, he went to the North Pole and vaccinated Santa today? Oh, my God. Yeah, what, no. he failed to, what he failed to do is Santa got dizzy and collapsed and died. I also heard a rumor that the nurse that collapsed has passed away. I don't know if it's true, but I saw died. that too. I saw that I too. Candice, you know anything about that? I don't know. I hadn't heard that one, but I did hear from Charlie Ward that the first person that was uh, vaccinated in uh, the UK was uh, William Shakespeare. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, it, it, Alice, the computer. Yeah. So I would say if you want some interesting updates, go go check out Simon's videos. And of course, Thomas Wichter is always interested if a bit arcane, um, but he is uh, he is in our case. I just want to get kind of caught up in the chat. General Flynn was saying that the world is watching and got some awesome information on the deep state. Yeah. And again, that's another thing Simon emphasizes that this is a global battle. It's not just the U.S., but the U.S. is definitely the front. Um, that's where the, the battle is really taking place. Uh, Casey, can, uh, do you have anything you want to talk talk to, bring to the table, throw out there for discussion before we go to Candace? Uh, <clears throat> uh, no, I mean, I did listen to that second part of um, Simon Park's day as well. But one thing I did think that was interesting is he said that uh, now A.G. Barr can be a witness now that he's no longer working for a government. So I thought that was good. And also that Durham will be a special counsel and he can prosecute in every single state since we haven't heard anything about Durham and what's going on there. Um, those are a couple interesting things. And also, yes, Alice, the, through the looking glass. Yes, we yeah. want that, right? Yeah. Looking glass. Blake, you got anything for us before we uh, sit back and all listen to Candace? <laughs> well, I was going to just say that I think Lynn Wood tweeted out like maybe an hour ago, if not less, saying about martial law, but just kind of a selective over like several states, just the ones that are, uh, you know, involved in potential fraud so that the military can go in and, and seize um, the domain uh, computers. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. And, and, and also that he, another thing I've, I, you know, I'm sorry, I, I keep catching other details. I'd forgotten about what, what he said, uh, what Simon said today, what Simon says. One of them is that all the Dominion computer or voting machines now in the U.S. have been now cut off from the Internet, that this is part of this alleged hack that took place a couple days ago. And that the only way you can get fraudulent votes into the system now is by putting a thumb drive in, which is going to be watched very closely in the runoff elections and or the paper ballots. So I thought that was fascinating. And we'll have to talk to Candace about that. But before I turn it over to Candace, I want to say we got 300 people in the live stream right now. Welcome to Saturday Night Live. It is an interesting point about Barr. I think we'll ask Candace about that first. Um, and don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to Mike Barra Official and Peelback Report with uh, Casey. Do not forget on the banners, do not forget to contribute to the PayPal, paypal.me slash Mike Barra or Venmo at Mike Dash Barra. Also, if you want to sign up for Jennifer Fallot Doring's reading, which is coming up on the 27th, we still have about 10 or 15 slots open. 
If you want to sign up for that, uh, you want to hit me on the paypal.me slash Mike Barra. I need $27 and your email address. Do not forget to give Casey some love on paypal.me slash peelbackreport. Do not forget to give Blake Wally some love on paypal.me slash Blake Wally. Do not forget to visit Candace's page on Facebook, Frequency of the Earth, and subscribe to that group. And on eBay, she is Miramum. And I had a thing in there earlier. Somebody was saying they looked for you on eBay, but they couldn't find you, Candace. I, I suspect you're still there. But it is M-E-A-R-A-M-U-M, Miramum. You have to be very specific. I did find her on eBay and picked up some really cool stuff from her, which I'm still using. And do not forget, please, to visit our sponsor, ungovernedtees.com. And you can get really, really cool um, T-shirts like the one Casey is wearing, Child Lives Matter. Matter. And okay. your your Trader uh, Obama shirt. And you can use a discount code RN2021 for Real News 2021. I promise I'll keep the station breaks to a minimum because I'm, I'm going to be drinking for uh, quite a bit of the night here. So, um, whoops, I just pushed the wrong button. No. I don't want to end the broadcast. That would have been bad. Um, <laughs> Me too. Okay. So Candace, I guess what I want to start with is, um, I guess what I want to start with is, um, is, you know, is there a plan here for Attorney General Barr to be a witness? I think that the idea that he's going to go away and retire, I think that, that um, that's definitely, I wouldn't think he'd want to be a witness. So what do you, what do you think? What do you say to that? Well, you know, I know uh, what he's been doing the last year. I follow it really closely. I have contacts in the DOJ, and I've I've done uh, some FBI reports. So um, basically, this was brilliant, as everything is. And I want to point out he's scheduled to leave on the 23rd, which is the uh, day of the entire world, um, makes it a very important date. And then, you know, now that he's stepping aside, everything that he saw every meeting that he had with all the Native American nations, with all of the people in Montana and Alaska, and he was in Utah and Arizona, he becomes a star witness for the voter fraud that was amended by this entire EO that he acted out, uh, being able to go onto the tribal grounds with the FBI and do investigation. So not only does that reveal voter fraud, it's also going to show child trafficking. It's also going to reveal the uh, entire route that it goes from, as um, Juan said, from Mexico up to Canada. It's going to go into Canada and show all the, you know, horrid uh, relationships that they've had with um, several, I mean, we're talking international here, um, and, you know, if I, if I were to sit back for a second and just look at the beauty of it, um, it's, it's really kind of an important part for him to play because that's what he really does best. And he was a great, you know, attorney general. Nobody can feel bad about him, but it's time for the bulldog to step forward. It's time for the hanging judge to come along because all of these sealed indictments are about voter fraud, which we just talked about. It is a federal offense. They will be tried in federal courts, and these people will go possibly to Gitmo and be able to get to a point where we are rid of them once and for all, because this is endemic. And this is something that I've talked about a lot as far as what 
kind of levels of corruption have existed in this country. And uh, if I kind of go into the the entire background on this, it'd take me too long, but I just want to point out a couple of events that are kind of like right on the edge of all of this, and they are called dead man switches. And, you know, if we go into the Isaac Cappy affair, and we think of that in terms of what information he had, how he set this up, how it was, you know, a operation that basically then led to almost immediately, think of the timing and think of all of the people that came down with uh, COVID and that they got this virus right off the top and they were all involved in this uh, satanic ritual abuse and the adrenochrome and when all that really comes out, that's what this is all about. It's about certain events that have already happened and then events that are lined up for the future that'll just swing those doors open to public awareness. And there's nothing they can do about this. This is gonna completely overwhelm the news cycle. And I was doing some research about that today too because a lot of people now are talking about the mainstream media and what dire straits they're in how they've lost so much money, how their money has been taken out mm -hmm. of their, um, you know, the CNN particularly, and that they're all in, you know, I don't want to say the word, but this is going down real quick. Uh, they don't have viewership. They don't have, you know, percentages that, you know, TV in general is down. And I myself stopped watching TV back in 2017 and i've never missed it because i can get everything i want to on the internet but yeah yeah uh so, hey I'll yeah. just briefly yeah, go ahead uh, lady rose put out that scavino just sent out three successive tweets we kind of have twitter buzzing looks like something may be happening i'm going to screen share um that stuff and uh show you guys okay there is here's these three tweets here's the first one 49 minutes ago it shows trump in the white house looking at the portrait of Lincoln. Now, I find this fascinating, Candace and everybody, because Lincoln, of course, suspended habeas corpus and basically put in martial law, and he went after the press and, and put a bunch of them in prison. So that, that I find kind of interesting. The other photograph is uh, Trump staring at a portrait of Churchill, and they both have this extremely determined look on their faces. So that I find fascinating. And, um, you know, Churchill did, did not give up uh, at all against the Nazis, even in the darkest days. And the last one is President Trump in black and white on the phone with the portrait of Andrew Jackson behind him, who, of course, got rid of got rid of the central banking system and created the most prosperous 20 or 30 year period in American history before we got a new central bank. Um, any thoughts? Anybody? Well, about there, there we have it. I mean, it's like a. I couldn't have said it better because those are the three topics, of course, that we're talking about and the relationship to the Civil War, mm -hmm. which uh, the way it started, the way it ended, everything about it. Um, and of course, we're, you know, right in that same sort of thing, except what is the Civil War right now against? You know, it's yeah. the dark versus light. So, um, you know, we have a date here. The 21st is coming up. It's the winter solstice. It's our change from the dark days up into, you know, where the days start lengthening. So big ceremony. Um, we also have what's going to be on that day, which is a um, the sun enters the uh, 
side of Capricorn and that we do have a, um, uh, after that on the full moon, there is uh, some other celestial events. The biggest one that's uh, going to be on the 21st, of course, is the uh, Saturn Jupiter conjunction. Um, and then the other two, of course, I mean, we're talking Trumpsara, you know, Gasara. I mean, that yeah. is, <laughs> we've been over that, but that's very close at hand because that's one of the Trump cards. So, you know, he has a full, he has a five card flush that's all aces. Yeah. And it's and like, a, yeah. No, another thing I was going to add is remember folks on these dates. Okay. A lot of times people think, oh, the, the, they get a date and it has to happen on this date or it's going to happen on this date. That's not how it works in the, in the symbolism. I, I've been tracking what NASA has been doing for over 25 years and how they work with symbolism. And what I argued in my book, The Choice, my second book is that, look, this is this is in 2010 is that the December 21st 2012 is not a be all end all date it opens the window in which things will begin to dramatically change and it's like most of what I said in that book is coming to pass and that window doesn't shut until 2025 at the end of 2024 2025 so we're in this which is going to just go inside amazingly with the Trump administration and um and so it, sometimes it can just open a window it means okay it could be the start of something it is not necessarily everything's going to go down on the 21st of december but it opens a new window candace and it creates a new situation where things begin to move in a new direction that's what these these astronomical alignments frequently signal yeah that's everything about the numbers mike and a you know kind of a assessing it for what we know are certain events that uh, that they've used against us. You know, this is a satanic thing, not something that we necessarily do. We don't walk around in a circle three times and stand in the middle and evoke spirits and, you know, light candles and pray over skulls. You know, it's just, it's what their side has done. And I'll tell you, they got a lot of traction out of all that because of all the symbolism that exists in this country. Well and in TVs and movies, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, to give you an example, NASA was obsessed with Egyptian symbolism and everything in NASA during the Apollo program, the moon landings, basically had something to do with Egypt, whether it was through a, a sort of roundabout away, a way, like the Apollo program is named after the Greek god Apollo, but the symbol on the patch for the Apollo program was Orion, which is an Egyptian reference to Osiris. So it was like really the Osiris um, project. And then, you know, Orion and Osiris were interchangeable. And then on Apollo 16, the lunar module lander was named Orion, which is Osiris. And it landed on the moon on Adolf Hitler's birthday, which satisfies the Nazi faction within NASA. And it, it was with the um, belt stars of Orion exactly 33 degrees above the landing site. That's the only place on the moon at that precise time that you would find the belt stars of Orion, which is the most prominent feature of Osiris, exactly 33 degrees above the landing site, which is Masonic. So it, it satisfied the Masons, the magicians, all these guys. And when you watch that pattern happen throughout NASA, you know, Candace, I, I again, it makes it easy for me to track all this crap that they do, um, that the, the deep state is doing, because they've been doing it for a long, long time, all the way down to our space program. So absolutely. Hey, yeah, we're we're into our second year here for the Space Force, and um, you know it was on Wicker's program today. But you know we just had like a speech that just said you know release the Kraken, and 
Space Force is very much not only about space, but it's also about the tunnel systems. And this is going to be the really interesting stuff that'll come out after we get through this election cycle. We can clean their clocks, get them all put away, and then uh, we're going to have a open door to all of the things that, that we know of is on the good side because uh, they've repressed a lot of this information. I, You know, you take area... Uh, 51, and you look through its history, you know, Eisenhower tried to get there, and and uh, Kennedy certainly wanted to know what was going on, and they, they kept interfering with any knowledge base because they thought we just weren't ready. So, yep. you know, this is how they've operated, and, and yet they're just fine with putting their, you know, big uh, megalithic, um, you know, right. uh, things all over the world, and then stating that they own this place and that's what really bothers me is the uh, Chinese has have been here for quite a while this is nothing new but they took over certain industries that they were making so much money on and this is is kind of the really hard part to swallow for most people is how many people they have killed for the process of taking power and you know we've got them on the run right now I don't think they have the high ground that's my opinion but you know, I told the story last week about the, uh, the sniper that had been working in the Western states and cleared a lot of these terrorists out because, you know, again, we, we know we have to do it, and, but you can't really publicize it. You can't say, oh, we're going to do this because then they all scatter, right? So, you know, there's a, there's a strategy here. Right. Um, okay. So I want to ask you about one, you know, one, again, you should never make predictions, but Juan made his prediction on, I guess, Wednesday that something might be happening with John Podesta on Thursday, because in the lunar calendar, it's 11 three, but remember they, they can use the lunar calendar and then they can just switch to the old um, Julian calendar or the Gregorian calendar. You know, they, they can flip all, all these different calendars. So you have anything to say at all about uh, about what Juan uh, said the other day and, and what may or may not be happening with Mr. Podesta? Well, you know, I'll go into it. Um, Juan Osavin is one of those guys that, that really likes to have a good laugh over things sometimes. And I, I have, uh, you know, sort of been decoding his stuff for quite a while. Um, I do know that the flippiness, this thing about the lunar calendar was way out in left field. Was it, I had it, was to kinda, a, it was swinging for the fences on that one, yeah. He was, and, and, you know, I don't think he meant it. He did make it sound literal, and then he talked about, you know, 4th of July, and, or uh, rather the April Fool's, because at 4-1, now, there's a lot of significance in all of this. He's written extensively about uh, 311 and 113 and the events that have happened. But I think really that the whole thing came together for me today and yesterday uh, when I did this research about what is the lunar calendar about. Now, I don't want to go into it in specifics. Anybody can do their research, but basically it's quite complex. It's not just dates. The thing about the lunar calendar, it has to do with these animal, uh, you know, associations, year of the rat, year of the ox, which is next year. Um, it also has to do with a thing called the Pakwai, which is a, a basic system that they believe in. Like they don't even go out their door unless it's all in alignment. And they they believe in it so strongly that every home that follows that system, it's called feng shui, 
is mm -hmm. set up a certain way and then you put remedies in the areas that aren't good and then you make sure that you you know appease the the gods if you will about all that so you you can't just state a date it's like i went through and i looked at that date and and there's the flying star system and there's the i mean it goes on and on so I kind of lived this because I was in Shaolin Kung Fu for many years, and that's kind of what we did. We did holidays like um, Chinese New Year, you know. Well, that sounds innocuous enough, right? But it has a lot of symbology. There's ways you're supposed to do it, and, you know, it's funny because it's okay, just, I just a, Sorry, I just have to step in. So. I have to step in. I, I yeah. know that irregardless was not a word, and now they made it a word because everybody says irregardless, but I'm going to put my foot down on this one. There is no word symbology, okay? It's symbolism. I just, they're going to make symbology a word. I know they are, but sorry. I just, uh, my grammar Nazi came out there. <laughs> Yeah, I never really thought of that as I used to use it too. And then I was like, my, my friend, the mechanic pointed out to, you know, Mike, there is no such word as symbology. And I went, there, was, there is now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. it's, uh, you know, it's the urban dictionary. I mean, I always like to look at that for things first. It's like the shit ton. I love that expression. Yeah, my urban yeah. dictionary. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's my favorite dictionary to go to because I'll tell you, anything goes. Um, so what I mean by all of this is, is that basically you can put it in a box and you can kind of shove it away. And then you can also say that uh, the significance here is that he was talking about China. Um, so, you know, if you go in and you say 311, it means that there has been some significant events there, but of course we don't have 311 coming up or we don't think we do, except right. that maybe the first, uh, the 13th day of January might be 113. Isn't there a band so, called 311? Isn't there yeah. a band called 311? Maybe they're in on the whole conspiracy. I sat through a concert for them once. And I asked my friend who was really into him, what's the little Asian guy on the side? What does he do? He just stands there and talks. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I thought they sucked, but hey, you know, here's a band <laughs> called 311. Maybe that means something. Well, they probably just picked up on the force. You know, I mean, the force is all over the place. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to sort of go ahead here because it's the significance here, I believe, is that we're supposed to look at China. We're supposed to find out our... Uh, the deep embedded information that a lot of people aren't aware of is how much um, it, they're involved in our lives, um, that they use these dates for themselves to determine their life, and we don't. Um, you know, our particular system is the Gregorian system, and I'm sticking with it because that seems to be uh, working. Now, the other thing is, is that if you take that date and then you look at the 17th to the 24th, that's Saturnalia. That's the dates that right. um, were done by the ancient Romans. And I say ancient, but, you know, they're very alive as far as our theology. I, I know some people in high levels of government who carry around little coins uh, with Caesar on them that are 2,000 years old and worth half a million dollars. And... It's a pretty interesting little group to be in. So yeah, the old, as he put it to me once, uh, there's a lot of people in Washington, D.C. who still worship the old gods. And so just trust me, this ancient stuff, Candace, it's still with us. And again, looking at what NASA did is kind of proof of that. So yeah. So, you know, this is this is a, it, it's where time is, is 
Um, I used a terminology on frequency of the earth ever yesterday because I saw it on the Schumann and it's a compression wave. And I thought, whoa, this is amazing where the frequency actually was high, headed up and then all of a sudden we had these really strong, not that strong, you know, amplitude was like 20 right. hertz. Um, but it was enough to drive all the frequencies down like three full hertz and they just went to the bottom and I went, what the heck happened? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that particular thought process ends up being a connector, again, to what is going on with a potential that we have here where we're being hit by a compression wave uh, that's coming in. And, and that is possibly significant because some people are talking about this gamma ray event that's coming. And there's nothing on space weather uh, news.com, nothing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there is the sun that's ramping up, so that's solar. And then you go to this alignment that we have, which I hope everybody knows that it's uh, right down the pike to the uh, cosmic core and the cosmic center, and that we have a really huge event that's been going on, ongoing for a while, which is the uh, age of Aquarius, which is coming in. So, you know, again, we're talking astrologically, astronomically, mm -hmm. and then also with all this stuff that's going on, it's affecting our, our ionosphere, which is really the, the pressure gradient that we exist when it within, which is uh, the atmosphere. And, you know, I've got to add in an article that I put in uh, early this morning, I believe, that is the best article I have ever seen that explains everything, not only about the, the vaccines, which I guess we need to be very careful about talking about, uh, but it also goes into the fact that these new vaccines that are coming out are actually going to have nanoparticles in them. Now, I've heard a lot of speculation, but this woman that did this and it's really a, a good program. It has Archangel Michael on the, that's the, the front piece for it. Like I say, it's on frequency. So join yeah. it and uh, we'll go I'll to, let you go in. To, uh, Facebook frequency of the earth and go take a look. Yeah. At the and I, I want to thank everybody that has come in and that mentions Mike and I'm like all over it. So you, you get entrance. It's a private group because I just, I don't want, you know, 90,000 people in there. I, I, you know, control it to a, you know, so that I can answer questions and make it a real you know, thing. I, so. Actually, Candace, I just heard today that the vaccines will not include any microchips or nanotechnology, but will include the new U2 album. <laughs> to get that free when you get it shot. Okay, Blake, you look like you have a question. Hit it. Oh, no, I, I do remember. I think with my last iPhone, I think I did have that uh, creepy U2 album on yeah. there. And I, and I like some of their older stuff, but that one was just uh, bizarre. Well, no, there's, Why there's is that on there? five or six great songs on that album, but the rest are all shit. <laughs> Casey, uh, any questions, any comments, anything you want to throw in right now before before we move on to the next? Actually, yeah. No, I, I love how Candace is just breaking this all down. I mean, I, I think that it's just uh, it's it's great to to hear her point of view and definitely with her expertise. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where, where the rest of the rest of it goes. Okay, Blake, you said now that you do have something after all you want to try. I do in. want to throw in a couple of things. I know you were talking about the NASA and the pyramid thing, and I don't 
I know because we watch Ancient Aliens, but like the pyramids aren't necessarily you know built for tombs. They might have actually been space stations, possibly. And I believe the three major pyramids do line up to Orion's belt. Yeah, I think it's like 10,500 BC or something. And I also wanted to mention, I, I hope we can actually you know, invent a new calendar because I'm not really satisfied with the Gregorian one that we have. And I'm not sure if the Julian one was actually better per se. I don't know about the lunar one, but I wish we could get on the same dates because if you had 13 months at 28 days, you'd have, that's 364 days. Then you'd have one day for the leap year. And then you could have the moon, like, cause it, like a cycle every 28 days, the exact same time every month. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it is kind of interesting because um, calendars, of course, are astronomical, and nobody really thinks about that. But it has to do with like they're lined up to the vernal equinox, and when do you spin around the vernal equinox, which is some mythical kind of point in space. And the Julian calendar was okay, but it, the, the Gregorian calendar is more accurate. But of course, they took out ten days of the calendar, which could equate to the biblical ten days of darkness that we're hearing about uh, yeah. when they over the calendars and people wanted their 10 days back they thought they were all gonna you know they'd lost 10 days off their lives they were really pissed off about that but the problem is the earth a day on the earth is not exactly 24 hours it's like 24.22 hours or something and over the over time that fraction that fractional magic candace adds up to the point where the the dates start to switch and this is fascinating because you know uh caesar when he was after pompey uh, when they were, the Roman Civil War was taking place, actually he had he had studied Egyptian, you know, all the calendars, and and the uh, Pompeians thought that he could not cross the Aegean Sea and get his legions to Greece because they thought it was January, the middle of winter, and the weather would be too terrible. Caesar knew because he was an expert in calendars that in fact it was only October. And so he was able to cross with a bunch of legions and get there on Greece and eventually chase Pompey all around and, uh, and track him down. And, and they, they engaged finally in the Battle of Pharsalus, which this is really interesting to me too, Candace, because I was thinking today as I was listening to Simon, you know, I, I'm impatient. I want things to happen. I'm tired of waiting. But it's really interesting because even though Pompey had the vastly superior force, like twice as many soldiers as Caesar and seven times as many cavalry, he was defeated. And the reason he was defeated was because his strategy was he was going to starve Caesar out and weaken him and weaken him. And only when he had a huge advantage was he going to fight him. But the guys, the Senate, the Optimates, the corrupt Roman Republic, just like our deep state, kept pressuring him and pressuring him to wipe Caesar out, get rid of him, go attack him. So on the day that Caesar was going to pack up and leave and give up even fighting Pompey, Pompey took the field against Caesar and they engaged in the battle and it ended up being a terrible defeat. So as I look back on the, this historical period, which I think to some extent we're recreating right now, um, I guess what I'm going to say is I, I'm kind of thinking I need to be like everybody else and be uh, a little bit more patient and let this stuff play out because we do still have some time left and it would be foolish to take the field too early. You agree with that, right? You know, that's just about the most wonderful thing I've heard today, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, cause people are doing scenarios about, you know, how this is going to go down in terms of the election. So, um, you know, and they're talking about dates that are like, 
you know, kind of scary because this is going to go into January and, uh, you know, January then is, uh, there's a big date on the uh, 6th and, uh, you know, then there is uh, another day on the 14th and then, of course, there's the big date on the 20th and, you know, that's going to go by pretty quick if we don't really know what's happening and, you know, there was that kind of speculation that one of the things Juan said was that, uh, you know, we were going to have to endure the uh, actual inauguration of, of um, you know, Beijing Biden before we would actually be able to, to indict him and take him out, um, which is really, that's going to make people absolutely out of their mind crazy. So there is patience. And then there's also like, you know, non-action. And so I like to take the middle ground and just say, I think we're going to be done with this before we get that close to. Yeah, I don't you know, think, I don't think he's going to do a, a fake inauguration. Oh, I mean, he will, if he does do an inauguration, it'll be fake. And there's even discussion. Simon even said that one of the, one of the possibilities was that, um, you know, they were going to, they were going to pretend to drive up to the Capitol and be denied entrance to the Capitol. And then they were going to drive up to the White House. It was all going to be faked and pre-filmed and everything and be denied entrance. But, you know, and then he was going to call in the UN and all that stuff. But I think he's going to be, I think Biden's going to be toast before we get to that point in, in January. So um, I do like to talk about it. I think you're, you know, right on with, with Pompey because, you know, that was an event that of course, was uh, uh, similar in some ways because of oh, course you know, the, he, uh, lost. he lost because he got he let the politicians he let the the crowd push him to go into battle when he didn't need to and right. and he was you know he, he didn't need to engage and so he was defeated and ended up losing his head in Egypt and we don't want that to happen okay so here's another uh, question Basilisk is asking. What's the deal with Biden not accepting his salary and then he gets cut off from strategic info and no security clearances? I don't think it's his salary. I think it was the money he was given for the transition he has turned back and, and not taken. Because if he takes that money, I believe that incriminates him again in the fraud, if I'm not correct. Do you know anything about that, Candace? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd heard that kind of passed around, but um, I do know that he, you know, the DOD has uh, denied him all access to the briefings. So that's that's kind of the first salvo. And of course, we have uh, to look forward to the 45 day period, which I believe was actually Friday where yep. they they released um, the CISA report and the, um, you know, DOJ. So it's uh, and then it is going to be another I don't know, two weeks or something before we actually, everybody gets it. So in the meantime, I just like to say <laughs> Merry Christmas, try to enjoy yourself because um, I'm, I'm really having a hard time figuring this out. So it's, it's just a matter of, um, you know, getting to a point where you understand that your whole life is basically you and what's around you and hugging people and enjoying yourself and, and just letting it all play out because as Q said many times, you know, just um, get out the popcorn. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of analyzing things, uh, but I think you just stated what is really the best regard, which is to look at it maybe historically or read a good book, yeah. you know? It always, it always calms me down when I think about, okay, I feel like we're repeating a lot of what happened in the Roman civil war and what happened then, oh, then I should be, yeah not quite so anxious to uh, to jump jump the gun and, and go fight them, um, even though I think we have the advantage. 381 people 
in the live stream right now. That's great. Um, don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to Mike Barra Official, and uh, peel back report on YouTube. We're now on stream. Well, not StreamYard. We're now on Periscope and Twitch and Rumble, Casey, and you're handling all that. Thank you. You're like a goddess to me right now. We're all over the place. Uh, Real News Live. And uh, do not forget, paypal.me slash Mike Barra. And if you want to sign up for Jennifer's special reading, you can hit that PayPal. Also, $27. I need your email address. My Venmo is at Mike Barra. Uh, Casey, I want to send Casey some love. It's paypal.me slash report. If you want to send Blake Wally some love, it's paypal.me slash Blake Wally. If you want to help out Candace, go join her Facebook group, Fre Frequency of the Earth. It is a private group, as she described. On eBay, she is Miramum, and uh, you can find her stuff there that she sells. And she's given me some great stuff. It's really helped me with my sleeping process. And don't forget our sponsors, ungovernedtees.com, where you can get cool Obama uh, trader T-shirts. You can get T-shirts like Casey's, uh, one that she's rocking tonight, the Child Lives Matter T-shirt. And uh, you get that discount code RN2021, Real News 2021, for a 20% discount. So that's our station break for the moment. Okay. Does anyone know if Masonic Lodges are located on in specific ley lines or something? I always figure they have to be and probably have something energetic in their foundations. Yeah, for instance, I believe the Masonic Lodges, all of them in Phoenix are all on the 33rd parallel, which runs right through Phoenix. By the way, Phoenix, the city of Phoenix, which is, I believe, going to be the new capital, um, was created or basically by Ulysses S. Grant, who was a 33rd degree Scottish Rite Freemason. And all the land there, by the way, is all owned by the federal government. If you think you own a house in Phoenix, no, you don't. You're simply leasing it from the government. So forget about it. There's a lot of interesting stuff underneath Phoenix. There's a lot of mountains around it that look like pyramids. I wonder what would happen if we excavated them. So yeah, they all do, they do have connections. And again, remember Dallas is um, is uh, also where President Kennedy was killed in Dealey Plaza. Guess what? The first Masonic Lodge in the state of Texas after it was incorporated as a state was in Dealey Plaza. So it was a Masonic hit job. So all this stuff does coordinate it. They they do, you know. It actually you can you can kind of predict what they're going to do, um, and it's by simply observing what they've done in the past. You know, and that's a really good point, uh, Mike. In fact, one of my big uh, projects, which is on hold right now, but uh, is doing grid line work. And one of the most important grid lines that exists across the United States, well, two of them actually, one is the 111 grid line, which runs down from Calgary to Sedona, basically, right through Montana, and then goes all the way down to Easter Island. And, you know, what kind of... Uh, facilities have been built there and um, the history um, and then also is the uh, 47 um, latitudinal line which goes through Seattle and then passes right through the town I live in and goes across and and goes to uh, uh, Minneapolis which of course they have had a great amount of fun uh, working on with Antifa so you know Black Lives Matter have also used these grid lines as PowerPoints and, um, you know, if I were to look at that, which I have a big map in my bedroom and I made a big cross across that, uh, is that you can find Jesuit churches, you can find uh, Masonic lodges, you can find, um, you know, all sorts of giant remains, um, megaliths, uh, you know, dolmens, 
uh, it just goes on and on. And these are because these are sites that are uh, generally thought of as um, PowerPoints and vortexes. And we're, the earth is covered with them. They're everywhere. You know, you look at like Mount Shasta and all the UFO activity there. Um, that's, you know, a very important uh, uh, place where UFOs have come in and out of space, where portals are. I'm sure everybody has had some sort of experience with that by now. Um, and these are the places, too, that the deep state has concentrated on and tried to, uh, you know, to corrupt. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's really not any surprise to me. But then a lot of people that don't know about this just go, well, why there? You know, because it doesn't appear to be anything important. But Salt Lake City is on the 111. And boy, I, I had some news about that, that, you know, that was where Maroney lost his uh, horn, you know, back in March. And and they're oh. actually doing excavation there now. Yeah, and it's uh, pretty extensive, and it's way more extensive um, than you would imagine that that earthquake did damage because we went in and those earthquakes were used to basically um, take apart the laboratories that sat under that city and yeah. all of their um, their uh, Ancestry.com and uh, My Life and 23andMe and all those, and that all is associated by relationship with the people that own the ABC companies that are Google and uh, a lot of these social media things. So, you know, not just us that's using it or not just the dark forces or it's, it's all the tech companies too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just like to point out that uh, I don't have a beer. I'm, I'm, my beer is empty just in case anybody who's watching this might want to bring me a beer. I don't know. Uh, so uh, anyway, this is interesting. Um, people said they're not sure what's up with the Stephen Miller press conference. Combat vet Miller said Pence was his mentor. Is that Stephen Miller? That's not his name. Is it the new Secretary of Defense? Is it Stephen Miller? Is that what his name is? Stephen Miller? Did I get that right? Wrong. Somebody go. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw Miller. that. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. I'll have to do some more here, digging on that. I just watched that before we came in here. And he, yeah. he did, he started talking and he was going to introduce Mike Pence and he started talking about Mike Pence and how much Mike Pence means to him. And he yeah. talked about how we were involved in, in these uh, special operations, secret operations, military operations. He was emotional. You know, we fought side by side together. I consider you my mentor. And people were pointing out, well, Miller didn't become the secretary of defense until uh, November 9th, I guess. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, my brother Dave rocks. That's all I got to say. About frosty it. mug and everything. Yeah, frosty mug. This is to you, Stephen Miller. But yeah, Candace, the amazing thing about it was he said that they were involved together in operations, military operations. All those operations would have to have taken place between November the 9th and today or yesterday when he had this press conference. Pretty fascinating stuff, don't you think? Well, I, I think that he was referencing what had gone on in the last two years. That was my take on it. But um, wasn't he, he was an acting, he's an acting director, but he was involved in the DOD before that as a, another position. So I think what he was really highlighting was the Space Force. 
And so this was what I was getting out of this is that um, they've gotten so much work done behind the scenes. These are the cyber forces that have been a part of this operation that are uh, deeply embedded in these systems and that have been the ones, you know, that have found all the uh, uh, access to the D Dominion, to the CITL, to the, you know, the backgrounder on these um, these programs that have actually been around for a long time. So that was my take on it. But um, David Fierce says, I heard Pence was deep state. That's my opinion that you can't trust Mike Pence, that Mike Pence is in it for Mike Pence. But I do understand he's on a pretty short leash right now. Candace, have you heard anything along those lines or what do you think about Mike Pence? Well, it's, it's a tough one because of course we've gone around and around about this as to what side he's on. Um, you know, Trump has stood by him and I, I saw him leave momentarily. I guess he was uh, sent away to the old VP mansion that was somewhere in Virginia. And it was right over the top of a tunnel system. And I thought, when he went there and he was diagnosed, I guess, with COVID or whatever. And, and he just kind of disappeared for a while. He was just off the thing. And when he came back, he had his mask on. And I think, you know, there's, there's some presumption that it may be that he has been taken over by a double. So, you know, th there's so many doubles out there that it's, it's almost like every, every day I go through this scene, this, you know, these pictures come up and some of them are dead on accurate that they aren't the same person. It's like yeah. I, I saw You're one of Biden the other day and I just went, he's not even remotely looking like the old well, Biden. What the, mechanic, what the mechanic would tell you and has told me is that every single prominent person has at least one double. Many of them have multiple doubles. And that frequently when you see them in public, it is not the person, but rather it is the double. So he says, yeah. And, and I've also sort of over, you know, over a beer with him and asked him, you know, well, yeah, but what, you know, look at Vincent Fisca, the veins on his hands are exactly the same. And Dave said something like, like, well, they wouldn't necessarily be the same on a clone, would they? And, and the mechanic said, oh, yeah, they're the same on a clone, as if he knew all about the cloning thing. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, Sean S. says, Oswald did not kill Kennedy. Technically, you're correct, because what Oswald, who was in the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository, did was he shot President Kennedy in the back. It exited out his throat. It severed the vagus nerve, which tells which runs from the brain, which tells the heart to beat and the lungs to breathe. So trust me, President Kennedy would have been dead very shortly from that wound anyway. But technically, you're correct, because J.D. Tippett on the grassy knoll shot him in the head a split second later, and he was still alive when... J.D. Tippett killed him. So just uh, pick up that book there, Ancient Aliens and JFK. Pick it up at Amazon or your local bookstore. It explains the whole thing. So you're right, Oswald. In a sense, you're correct, Oswald. Did not Kennedy. Let's take a few questions, guys. Um, yeah, I'm signaling for another beer. Yeah, I got it. Blake is drunk. David Fierce says you are drunk, Blake. Are you drunk? I think I've got a buzz. I'm a lightweight. I only drink like once a week. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, literally, I drink on the weekends when we do this, and that's about it. Cheers. Yeah, it wasn't Stephen Miller. It's Chris Miller, who is the, the uh, new director uh Defense Department. Um, Secretary of Defense. Kathy Stella says, Blake is always smiling. He looks like such a pleasant person. I can tell you from my he experience. Is. 
is. He is. Always happy. Uh, Ashley says, I wish I could hold up an empty beer and have someone bring me another. I got two, I got one answer for you, Ashley. Two answers, actually. Either get a identical twin brother or get a get a husband. One of those two. That's the way it works. It's it's is that your double? Your clone? No. Uh, are you guys identical twins? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Well, you know, this is interesting. I gotta ask Jennifer this on Monday. You're Casey, you're on Monday, right? You're you're gone a couple days this week, Monday and Wednesday at least, right? Friday, I think, is what Christmas and we're not yeah. doing it, but yeah. Um, but uh, it's actually been said that somebody told me that no, we're not identical twins, we're actually fraternal, but there was so little DNA to choose from in our family that we would have looked exactly alike even if we'd been born four years apart. So I don't know if that's true, but yes, we are. What kind of explanation is that? That's insane. Spiritual, psycho-spiritual explanation from a yeah, you know, you know, in an instant. I had twins. See, I had I have oh, a perfect oh. example. And uh, they're boy girls, and they're obviously not identical. They're fraternal twins, not identical, because they had two separate sacks and they were born separately. And, you know, it was kind of like an, a miracle situation because, oh boy, anyway, I don't want to get into it. But, but, you know, if you were an identical and that's the way you were born, that's, you were only like three minutes apart or six minutes six, apart. Six I mean, that's insane. That's, and, and we're, not, we're not sure which one of us was born hurt because first, because my mom had kind of a confusion racket going. And the, the family myth was always that Dave was born first, which is why he was named Eugene David Barra after my dad. And I was born second. And that's why I became Michael Herbert Barra, which actually means, you know, God's archangel who creates an army of light, just so you know, in numerology. But um, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. No. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, so um, okay. you know, that was the family myth. But then when we went to England in 1981, we went to get a copy of our birth certificates. And this is amazing, Candace, because back then you could get a copy of your birth certificate with the, the signatures of your parents and everything and your little footprint and all that stuff, which you cannot get anymore. That's why that does not exist for Barack Obama. I now know the reason why, which is because those original documents are stamped, accepted for value, and they're packaged together with all the other babies that were born in your birth year, and they're a financial instrument that's held at the uh, DTCC Corporation in Washington, D.C., and they monetize all of us as human beings. But that being completely separate, it said that Michael was born first. And it's oh, just... You were, and you were born in England? No, no. But it was to get a passport to go to England. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm like, oh my God, my mind's blown right now. Okay, go ahead. 1991, not 81, 91. But uh, yeah, and it was... It, it, so we really don't honestly know which one of us was born first. We don't. But we are pretty much identical. So... Um, okay. Candace, uh, here's a question for you. Do you agree with Simon about the military infiltration into Antifa and BLM? Do we have people inside Antifa and BLM? Well, I, I do have that one story about the military infiltration. And I, I do believe also that uh, now as far as Simon's, you know, making a blanket statement, um, Antifa is based out of Oregon. They've been down in Eugene, Oregon since the 90s. And they were trained in a military manner and they came into their, their kind of uh, fruition uh, in 1991 in Seattle. And that was where they, they picked up and were uh, involved with the TPP and 
they made a mess of it. And basically, they then um, kind of went underground for a while, but they came out all over the country and they sent these representatives uh, this summer out to uh, various remote locations because they always have to state their intent first, right? Now, some of them were just, uh, you know, like I would consider them like uh, 60s refugees, you know, people that wore, you know, kind of funky clothes. And of course, they all had do rags on. And, you know, it just was, it was like playtime. And they weren't capable of really doing anything. So it's it's really not a matter anymore that they're the militarized, really, you know, strong force. I mean, all they're capable of is, and I just laugh about this because of course, what they set up, um, Roz and Chaz or whatever it was called in Seattle. And now they've got one down in Portland that they put up against a residential area, which I'm sure those people are real happy, but you know, they don't have any leadership. So if you were to say that the military infiltrated it, you would be in fear, you know, you know, interpreting it as that they have some sort of leadership, which they don't. So I'm a little skeptical about that comment. So uh, Honda for fan for life says, I've heard Trump has a double David fierce asks, does Trump have a double? Uh, My answer to that is I don't know for sure you tell me if Donald Trump has a double. <laughs> well, he does. And we uh, decoded that a while ago, right? Because, um, you know, that thing where he carried the Bible out uh, and, uh, you know, in front of the church after it was burned and, you know, he made that gesture and they read the the Bible and, and they walked out there and there was a guy that was in the entourage that must have been eight feet tall. Yeah, he and went. We looked at that and we went, okay. Yeah, that guy was a fucking alien. I'm just going to tell you right now. That guy was well, a fucking and, yeah, and that's what they do. See, it's the double that they'll push out there because, of course, he's got a certain measure of protection, but nothing like Trump does, right? The real Trump. Um, so, you know, they'll put somebody in charge that's basically extraterrestrial in order to kind of be able to throw his energy around him just in case anything happens. But he had gray hair and it wasn't it wasn't blonde. It was it was a different color. And and I looked at it and sent you pictures. But, you know, yeah, there's he's got a double for sure. Yeah, uh, at least one. And frequently they have more than than one. So, OK, uh, once again, three hundred and ninety two people in the live stream. Thank you, guys. Don't forget to smash that like button. We've only got eighty two likes. Somebody said a while back. Let's get some more likes on this. Smash that like button, subscribe to Mike Barra Official on YouTube and the Peelback Report on YouTube. Do not forget to uh, spread some love around paypal.me slash Mike Barra or on Venmo at Mike-Barra. I can appreciate it. I'd like to buy a Porsche. Um, also, if you want to sign up for the Jennifer Faladoring reading, a Porsche. I don't, am I amusing you, Casey? Um, hit me with the paypal.me slash Mike Barris. Send $27 and your email address, and we'll get you signed up. We have 25 signups so far for that. Do not forget to send Casey some love on paypal.me slash report. I promise I will only do this one more time. And do not forget to give Blake Wally some love on paypal.me slash Blake Wally. We're also amazingly on PayPal. Uh, and then lastly, well, not last, but not not least, also fa- uh, Candace Frequency of the Earth is her Facebook group. And on eBay, she is Miramom. Candace, you really should get a Venmo or a PayPal or something like that set up so people can 
help you out without just buying your products. And also please frequent our sponsor, ungovernedtees.com and use the code RN2021, real news 2021 to buy some cool t-shirts like the Child Lives Matter shirt that uh, uh, Casey is rocking tonight. Child Lives Matter. Okay, so um, I guess what I'd like to do is we're gonna go to a few questions here, but Candace, do you have anything else you wanted to cover tonight? Because there was a lot of stuff where an hour and 11 minutes into it, I wanna give you a chance to just talk about anything you wanna talk about rather than respond to the news that's out there. Well, the other two things that I said I was going to talk about, of course, the dead man switch, which I mentioned, is also uh, important in terms of Julian Assange. And uh, I just found a document that's uh, 200 and some pages long. That is actually uh, the Wiki WikiLeaks, uh, what they call an insurance policy, which is was all the files that basically he he held until he knew he was safe because. The thing about a dead man switch is it's something that will come out if they get to you. So Assange for a long time, uh, he was in the, what, the Ecuadorian embassy, and he did, he was very concerned for his life. And then they took him up into the UK, and now he's undergoing extradition, which I'm not quite sure where that process is, but we have our best team on it. He is safe, and that he is... Uh, now releasing these WikiLeaks files. So that's an important thing to know. We talked about Bill Barr, um, the Trump card, which I think is also in process here. And I do also want to throw it out because it's a big deal right now as uh, JFK Jr. And, um, you know, if we sit back for a second and just look at all the hype and all the people that have been brought forward that is supposedly, supposedly, um, Jr. and we're going to call him John Kennedy from now on. Um, you know, the whole incident of his death, uh, yeah. that's been debunked. Um, we also have a period of time that he was missing. He wasn't in this country. He was probably, you know, busy. I mean, he's, he's the one person that is going to be able to come forward and tell the story of the JFK assassination and of 9-11. Uh, he's a tireless uh, researcher. He made the statement, I will spend the rest of my life, uh, you know, revenging my father's death. Mm -hmm. um, it is the kind of title of Kid by the Side of the Road that uh, uh, 107 put out uh, in October. And if you haven't ordered it, you can still go to the website, Gumroad. I'll put up a link. Uh, you should definitely get this. It's a magazine. It's beautiful. It's 11 by 14. And um, I put pictures of it out, uh, and I should probably send you some. But it does have a really good history lesson, which is the first part. Then it talks about Chapter 3, which is uh, the Q movement. And then it ends with his uh, dream that he had that is very interesting because it really does outline a lot of what's going on. And he recalls it as being something he... It took him a while to sort of understand the context of which is dream state is funny that way. But um, it was a profound incident that that kind of describes what's going on with the, the whole Beijing Biden thing. So um, the other one was the boomerang, which I just want to state is also it was in the cue drops and trying to explain it is, a you know, sort of uh, convoluted. But what we have here is a situation where if the boomerang is thrown out, we don't really know when it's going to make its turn and head back. And 
So that plays into what you talked about earlier in terms of the timing. And the boomerang has already been thrown and it is on its way back. And when it comes back and it hits, that is going to be the moment where everything will change. And we can look forward to that, but we don't have to worry about it because it's all already on its flight. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing stuff. Um, okay, so we got a few questions here. Um, Timothy Hanlon wants to know, is there anything we can do on 1221? Pray, meditate, et cetera. The answer to that is yes. And when you have these kinds of alignments, there is an effect through the higher realms, through the fifth dimension or the 26th dimension or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's a d disturbance in the force. It's a wave through the ether where you can create physical, emotional changes, thought processes, people change. And the reason, one of the reasons why we're in this revolutionary period and we're kind of going through what I call the global sovereignty movement, which is where everybody wants to throw off all these government institutions and think for themselves and make their own choices is because of the alignment. So when this happens, yes, you absolutely can do that. And the best time is to find out what, uh, God, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's local sidereal time. And local sidereal time is when the your local location is during the day the most aligned with the galactic center. And it may have another name. I It was in the choice. I've forgotten it. But I want to say it's local sidereal time, but check me on that. When you're aligned with the galactic center, and studies have found, studies done in the 1970s and 80s and 90s, have found that ESP, extrasensory perception, intuitive thinking, is tremendously amplified during that period of time right around when your locality is most aligned with the galactic center. The sun is cool too, but if you can get aligned to that galactic center, you really have a boost. So if there's things you want out of life and things you want to create and so forth, that's the best time to pray, meditate, et cetera. And, uh, and, and, and tell, tell, you know, God and Jesus or whoever, Michael, Gabe, our buddy Gabe, who's always with us with um, Jennifer on Mondays, what you want and what you need. And they'll do their best to make it, uh, make it come through true and come through for you. Um, Ruben, Darry, Ruben Darren, and I can't pronounce your last name, Ruben Darren, I'm sorry, says uh, hi to all of us and celebrate your years of effort and victory in Malaysia. I will welcome you all beautiful islands here. Hey, if you still have the Grand Prix, I'd be there for sure. But uh, that's a really nice invitation. Uh, Dave Barris says, no, my mom's last two boyfriends before she married my dad were named Mike and Dave. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Yeah. And what we used to tell people was that, no, we're not twins, but our mothers were neighbors, but our mothers did have the same milkman. So, uh, uh, Gina Haspel was on her way to Gitmo, sang like a bird. They made a deal and you won't hear from her again, Simon. So yeah, Simon did say that. I do believe we will hear from her at least once though before. Uh, Hana Fan for Life says, Blake, slow down. This is like your fourth drink. So. Yeah, maybe. Who's counting? No. <laughs> Seriously, who's counting? Yeah. Who's counting? Who's counting? Saturday Night Live. I don't know how much brandy was in there, but yeah, probably too much. But yeah, cheers. Hey, it's Saturday. I'm not saying you're drunk, Casey. I'm just saying that if you were talking like that in a bar I was in, I'd start feeding you tequila shots right about now to see what happens. So <laughs> No, I love tequila, Mike. Gosh, I don't know. you got to have good tequila, though. I forget the name, but uh, the mechanic one time gave me some tequila shots. And, you know, tequila 
makes me gag most of the time, but this was the smoothest tequila I'd ever had. I, it was really expensive, but it was super good. Uh, Mike or Candace, are there already a bunch of politicians, Hollywood actors, et cetera, in Gitmo? Are they all on house arrest, running around with boots, or none of the above? Candace, what do you think? you think there's some people already under incarceration? From what I've heard, there's um, there's already been arrests. There's already been some executions. There's already a lot of folks that are out there that have boots on. So it's all of the above. Um, you know, we've we've uh, not seen everything because obviously they're trying to protect the general public from chaos. And you know, they're doing a great job. Actually, I I don't like the whole thing with the mask, but. I don't know. I guess if we had to choose having bombs drop on our head instead, we'd pr probably choose the mask. But um, just don't get worried about it because it will all come out. According to my sources, we have a 24-hour um, television station that uh, is called Court TV, and it's being held. But every hour of every day for the last three years will be eventually televised so but i'll tell you what we got to get a handle on real quick is the media so. Do, you, so do you mean that when they show us video maybe of the trial and execution of let's say as an example hillary clinton it will not be live it will have already happened but it will be presented as if it's a live event taking place right now uh, perhaps you know i i think a lot of this is going to happen with uh what we have talked about before which is basically that you know, we do have to release things as we are capable of people understanding what the crimes have been. And, you know, with all those folks, I've got to say they've been dead and gone for a long time. You know, Hillary and Obama and, and of course, you know, McStain and, and the whole cast and characters there, um, you know, that, that they basically they either died or were, you know, hurried along with their deaths so they wouldn't be disgraced, which is really what they're given a choice, you see. But, uh, you know, certain things have happened lately that I think people are kind of ready for it, but I still know for a fact that we've got to get to the inauguration. We have to make sure that Trump is installed, that his whole you know, everything that he has been working on is maintained, all of the EOs, all of the you know, yeah. the the negotiations that he's done that we're working with the whole world now. This is the whole world is watching, you know, another thing that has been said. So, uh, you know, we'll be able after that point then to make these choices. And a lot of us are going to have something to do with this. You know, yeah. this is something we have really kind of understood as far as what our part in this is. I mean, I've worked in this for many years, but then you know, as far as what I'm working on for the future, I'm very interested in the healing technologies and the med beds and the, the stuff that's going to come along first that is going to be able to heal the children that have been subjected to all these mm -hmm. horrors and work with their brainwave states so that we can basically bring them back to a, a, you know, sort of state of normalcy, if that's a correct word, um, to be able to then build on you know, this next generation, which is really the, you know, ones we have to be concerned about to maintain the Republic because, you know, it's just really one of those pivotal points in history where if it were to be kept under the control of the deep state, it would become a living nightmare out there. And uh, so everything you can do on your local level 
you know, no matter how small it is, just if you're going and visiting people or, you know, planting gardens, I mean, just get busy, everyone. You know, we're, we're kind of in that phase where it's just that we have time now, maybe, you know, maybe money isn't quite so good, but we're going to have uh, some things that will give us relief here. And, and if we, uh, if we get President uh, Trump back into office, 2021 is going to be one of the great economic years, if not the greatest that this country has ever seen for a whole variety of reasons, one of which may be NASARA or uh, the National Economic Security and Reconstruction Act, which when will it happen? I say, Candace, it happens after the inauguration within a couple of months. And it's not going to ever I don't think it's going to be they're going to say, oh, NASARA, there's this whole thing. They're just going to start implementing NASARA step by step probably just a few months after the inauguration of President Trump. What say you? Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I barking up a tree? What? Well, it's it's in pieces. And, and we've got to understand it's already uh, been, you know, in force. I, we've seen a lot of changes that have happened. Again, you know, we're we've uh, you know, we're ahead in terms of dissolving the, uh, the federal bank. Uh, the central banks are all in disarray and in bankruptcy. Um, the set, set, uh, central treasury is now under Trump's control. Um, we do have relief that's coming for folks in terms of this COVID disaster. And, you know, I just have to reassure people that um, there is a lot of money that is going to be out there. It's not going to be free money, but it's going to be money that's available for then rebuilding our lives, which is on everybody's mind right now you know i want to get back to being able to go down to the cafe and eat there anytime and sit and talk with folks you know i it's just it's i just want to be able to go to the bar and talk to some girls and you know that's um, right. have, have some fun and, and just relax and have a beer and watch the game and have there be people at the game so um yeah you know uh, also yeah people are saying simon said also touch the earth and and skin to earth yeah that's important for grounding that's part of the part of the process for sure um so i i guess i completely lost what i was going to say um donuts go straight to ashley's belly we aren't going to talk about that um i've heard that martial law will be most likely be west coast east coast yeah in the big cities and what simon was talking about in terms of paratroopers and things 101st airborne division he said they're going to drop a lot of those guys in areas, and by the way, a division is usually up to about 25,000 men, which I would suspect that the 101st is up to that, in more rural areas where there are corrupted deep state police elements that need to be confronted um, by the military. And that, that, that was, I thought was kind of interesting. Um, let's see. Well, we do have, you know, I just want to remind folks that we have talked about this uh, before where we have um, actual offensive military um you know, ships out off the coast of the, the East Coast and the West Coast. We also have our um, our, our Navy uh, medical ships, one on each coast. And uh, then we also have um, carriers and aircraft and defensive troops off the coast of China. So, I mean, we are making a statement to the world, you dink around with this, you're going to die. So, you know, we do have the military under control. We don't have to worry of them, you know, coming on to our property and messing things up. And and like I say, we sniped a lot of them out in terms of the uh, flyover area. So um, there was a question that uh, about the Obamas that I mean, I, I kind of taken by surprise that people don't know this. But this one, um, yeah, the Obamas are, are uh, were manufactured. They were not 
anything what came out in their book or anything that came out publicly um, that uh, Michelle Obama is a basphemet. She's uh, half man, half woman, and that's what she wants to be. He, Ugh, he, she, okay. it, I mean, it's a, it's a horrid uh, story, but uh, the Sorry. children are, don't even belong. I mean, there was some speculation about um, Marshall, uh, Frank Marshall, right? Uh, Frank Marshall, yeah. that was the, yeah. but yeah. you know, they're not related at all. And they could give a flying, you know what? about anything that happens to them because they're it's drugged okay. out, you know, you like on YouTube, it's okay. You can say it on YouTube. It's okay. Well, it it's a, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get too crazy okay. and I haven't started drinking yet, but um, the idea is that uh, their, their lives were also, uh, they were taken from their parents and installed into, you know, this kind of falsified uh, reality. I mean, once everybody sort of gets a grip of all this it's, that has been happening, I think a lot of people are going to be pretty pissed. But, you know, this goes back to Nixon. I mean, I've been doing some work about the whole Iranian-Contra affair and the $152 billion that went over to Iran. And, um, man, oh, man, when that all comes forward, you're going to be floored as to how much corruption has existed literally behind the scenes. Oh, the other good news is that the CIA, CIA is being dismantled on the 2nd of January. Yeah, the clowns in America are coming down. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of folks that will understand why all of these drugs have been in this country, why we have dealt with uh, high taxes because we've been paying for all these indiscretions from our blood, sweat, and tears and uh, basically, um, when that all goes away, I think everybody's going to feel a whole lot lighter. I agree. Yeah, it's a great awakening for a lot of us, and yeah, and rude awakening for a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the thing is, look, it's the important. Awakening to the rude awakening, yeah. Everybody here, Blake, you, and Casey, and yeah. Candace already knows this, but all of you guys in the chat and everything. You already know, you know what's going on. That's why you're here. All 408 of you in, in the stream. You know what's going on. That's why you here. you're here. But there are going to be so many people when this stuff starts to come out that are going to be shocked and stunned and not know what to do. Now, the, the hardcore Dems, forget about them. I couldn't give a shit about them. They're, they're idiots for believing what they believe. But there's going to be so many people that never thought that this was what the world was really like. And they're going to need every single one of you to put your arm around them and and tell them hey no this is what's really been going on it's been going on for a long time you know a hundred percent of democrats and 78 percent of republicans have been corrupt evil criminals forever there's only a few real patriots and this is what's happened and this is how it happened and this is how we let them manipulate us and you're gonna they're gonna need help to come to terms with what's going on because they can still be saved. And you have a responsibility, each and every one of you, to help as many people as you can through this. There's a lot of people who aren't, who are hopeless, but the others, you have to be there. You have to, you have to explain to them what's been going on and say, look, you know, it's okay that you were fooled. You were brainwashed. You were brainwashed by the media. You were brainwashed by entertainment. You were brainwashed by these people. And it, but now we need, now we move forward into the light. We move forward into the clarity. And um, it's, it's going to be an important task. That's why you were born yep. to come into this time. That's why you're here. Yeah. Okay, you chose to come here at this time, using my favorite word again, choice. 
So it's a responsibility you've already put out there. That's the only reason you're in here paying attention. That's that's the only reason why I got into doing any of this at all is to reach my friends and family. And you also have to be an example as well. You know, it's one thing to sit here and say something, but if you're not actually out there and like, you know, showing it and living it doesn't really mean anything. So, I mean, that's exactly my motivation for being here. We were here at this time. I'm awake at this time. And we have to also be an example to those people. So. I agree with that 100%. That's an I example? I can't be an idiot anymore? Oh, God. Sometimes, but you know. <laughs> well said. I think uh, I can't see that. I really... I really do. I really try. I try to, you know, yeah. practice what yeah, you That's do. really good. That's Walk in really the light. Good. Yeah, well, and, and, and be a leader by leading. Yeah. You know, you don't just do it by sitting back and going, ah, you know, whatever. Uh, no, and it does mean that you have to get rid of your uh, baggage, and that is including all your past wounds and traumas. And for women, that's a big thing. You know, you got to deal with all these things that happened in your life. Perhaps they weren't wonderful. So, you know, once you get beyond that, then you say you're patterning. Um, you don't do drugs. You don't watch television. You, you know, you keep yourself with pure food. I mean, everybody be aware that those all make remember, a difference. Remember, Benjamin Franklin said, ale is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. So can we still drink alcohol? Please. Well, I think so. I mean, it, actually, beer is, is quite healthy. They used to give beer to women, you know, during childbirth and it bolsters them. It has vitamin B. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are bad, but, you know, it's like, you know, moderation, like, is a good yeah. word. <laughs> Two beers. Casey, did you get drunk when you were have, giving birth? No? Yes? No, but that would have been awesome an experience. For what about sure. you, Candace? Oh. Candace, did they, give you, did they give you beer when you were giving birth? Well, I, I had sort of an odd experience. And, of course, as soon as they did give you drugs, they don't, like, allow you to do that. But certainly when I was nursing, you know, it's, it actually builds milk and, you know, has a really good okay. quality to it. So, and that was <laughs> long after I was in the, unfortunately, we have too many to hospitals. Doing it for the baby, really. It is. It's actually, you know, and I, again, I, I only particularly like very dark beer, which is, is, uh, you know, sort of got more uh, nutrition in it. And, but, it's pretty, um, pretty dark. It's fairly dark. It's good stuff. That's oh. right. Red is good. You know, I mean. I think, Candace, what you're talking about is more of like that that dark night of the soul. And I totally remember going through that. And I think that's a hard thing, too. It's like when people really take that red pill and start realizing everything that's, you know, every single aspect of our life is, is a lie. It's a hard thing for people to realize. But just pushing out the truth a little bit of time is really what it is. And I know people, we get impatient, but it's really that's what it's all about. It's just giving it a little bit of time. So when it does happen, we're all awake at the same time. So dark night of the soul sometimes we have to endure it wow. and it is a process there's you know there are various things that we can take to heart and then of course it if it is our story our situation that we remember you can share that you know and and saying it just like you did Casey is a wonderful thing because then it what it does is it it brings down that wall you know it, it just creates a a you know uh, a way to uh, understand somebody else and, and it gives them comfort and gives them, you know, these considerations that are all good things mm -hmm. to be able to do. And, you know, if it's the word as far as the Bible or if it's uh, spirituality or it doesn't matter because each person will have their own thing that you can relate to them with. And I always said I worked in the film production business for 25 years and 
you know, I had to relate to these actors that came in and they sat in my chair and I had to do it. And I just start, you know, sort of chatting. And, and, you know, it was amazing to me how I could come up with topics, obviously, because I do know a lot about a lot of things, but that we would relate to. It's like, you know, and then you can, then the, you know, you just get a friendship going and it's a magical process and everybody can do it. Just, you know, practice. And it, uh, it's a beautiful thing because what you're doing is you're relating to somebody's frequency. And this is another phase of my work now is to understand that we all have a individual frequency that actually is embedded in our DNA, RNA coding. And so this is the way that we respond, that we resonate to other people. And so, you know, you'll have a comfort zone with some people instantly like even us on air you know we're going to be talking to each other and we feel that between us and so this is also happening more often and this is where we really are coming in terms of this age of aquarius all of these you know astral alignments is that we're be being given and shown this aspect of life that very few people have really kind of opened themselves up to it's 8.41 p.m. on Saturday night, and Barkley is snoring so loud right outside the door that he's vibrating the, the uh, door. Uh, yeah, Timothy Hamlin reminds us that 13.30 local sidereal time is the optimum time to meditate. That is correct. That's what I was trying to get to. It's 1.30 in the afternoon, typically, in your local locale. It may actually, it does adjust slightly, so the perfect time may be like 1.38 where you are. So you have to, there's a way to, to calculate local sidereal time. Ashley says, Wow, Mike, for the second time tonight, very well said. Hey, it's what I do, girl. You know, it's like what I do. Uh, <laughs> I drink ale and I know shit. That's what I do. Um, I think it's just with all the election stuff and every, all the news we do during the week, it's just a little refreshing to, you know, get get a little deeper into that. So, yeah, said very well. I agree. Thank you. That's good. Um, Blake is a great example of niceness, says Mason. <laughs> I agree with that, Blake. You're, you're a sweet person. <laughs> sweet guy. <laughs> Um, I'm uh, Tracy White says I'm going to be really mad if I fell for all of his hook, line, and sinker and find out I really am the lunatic they say I am. Yeah, I'm going to be mad about that too. Absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> how do we get rid of past trauma? There's lots of ways, lots of ways to do that. But I think as we move into this new phase, we'll get help doing that. We'll get help shredding, shedding that past trauma. Uh, Stephanie Jackson is with us. Hi, Stephanie. How's things in Phoenix? We were talking about Phoenix earlier. You have to go back and watch the uh, the replay. Um, okay, so I want to just catch you. There. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. What's that? Spoiler alert? <laughs> about not buying a house there. <laughs> oh, really? Phoenix? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, don't yeah, don't buy a house in Phoenix. Um Everybody's got something that makes them sick. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to find anything. There's a lot of uh, back and forth going on in here. I think we are going to, um, yeah, Sidereal Allison. Uh, it's not spelled that way. It's similar to that. Uh, I love how you hit the Game of Thrones reference with that because I've done a horrible job of doing it all evening. All right. Okay, guys. Um, I think we are at the end of the news portion of the evening. And now we go into the fun part. All right. The last part, 403 people still in the, uh, in the chat with us in the live stream. That is awesome number. 
Don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe to Mike Barra Official. Subscribe to the Peelback Report. That's Casey's site. Don't forget to find us on uh, Twitch and Periscope and now Rumble, which Casey has done an awesome job of getting our videos on. Do not forget to go to the paypal.me slash Mike Barra and send me some love. Mike wants to buy a Porsche. Also, um, you can send that a Porsche. Mike wants to send, uh, if you want to be in on Jennifer's uh, private reading on December 27th at um, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m., 5 p.m. after the Seahawks beat the Rams, hit paypal.me slash Mike Barra, $27, plus send me your email address. We have 25 signups. We got room for 15 more. Don't forget to give Casey some love on the Peelback Report, paypal.me slash Peelback Report. Don't forget to send Blake some love. PayPal.me slash Blake Wally. Do not forget to hit our sponsor, ungovernedtees.com, and use the code RN2021 or Real News 2021. And do not forget to go to Frequency of the Earth on Candace Whitelight's Facebook page and sign up and enter the private group and give her some love on eBay. Her store is named Miramum, M E A R A M U M. She has some great stuff there. Candace, I don't know how much stuff you have there right now, but some of the things you sent to me have just been wonderful. They've changed the way I dream. It's been really fantastic. And we love and appreciate you so much. I can't even tell you, sweetie. Really, thank you. Thank you. You're so sweet. And, and I have sold a lot of my EMF uh, harmonizer or, uh, you know, it's a, a uh, dot that you put on your phone. And it uh, what it does is it uh, straightens out the uh, chaotic waves that are coming in. It's very effective. And I give you a gift if you buy it. And I've got a special deal. You buy two and you get one free. So awesome. great got, gifts. So I'll I get them out Monday. Like and. Yeah, yeah, I got some stuff like that from John D'Souza, and yes, Candace has some too, so that's yeah. awesome. Okay, now we move into the entertainment portion of the evening. We've lost about 40 people already. All right, uh, who, did, who picked tonight's subject? I forget, was it Blake or Casey or Candace? Who picked tonight's subject? Was it you, Candace? Blake? That was Casey. She wanted did to I? do the... All right, hold on. I have to get festive. Hold on. Oh, wow, nice. It's a Blake, right? Yes, I came up that it's really original or anything, but uh, since we're about at that time, <laughs> holiday season. What is our top five for tonight, Blake Wally? Looks out suggesting, should we go Christmas songs or Christmas movies? I was worried about the Christmas movies. Be, it's easier, it's more fun, but I was worried about the overlap. But songs, it's tough. So look, I, I'm, I'm excited about, the, we're going with movies, and I'm looking forward to see what kind of answers we have. All there right. might be a lot of overlap tonight. There might not, but it's hey, complicated. I have to go in a sequence here, and it's ladies first. So, Candace, <laughs> your top five Christmas movies, starting with number five. Hit us with it. What is your fifth favorite Christmas movie of all time? And if you need more time, we can give you some more time. But No, I, I got my list here. I'm just trying to decide which one to go with first. But um, this is the funnest one. And... Uh, it was done uh, in the auspices of Christmas. I wouldn't call it a real Christmas movie, but it stars Bruce Willis. And it was made in 1988, and it's called Die Hard. And it's probably one of the best movies at that period of time that I ever saw as far as action thrillers. And I do have to state that he made his quantity of one-liners during that film was legendary. 
All right, Die Hard from Candace. Um, and I he I will note Bruce Willis says Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I'm not sure I agree with him, but you are correct. That is a great one. Uh, Blake, your number five Christmas movie of all time. Wait, are we going ladies first? Um, I'm sorry. And I was sorry. also trying to answer a question. Oh, sorry. Can't, uh, yeah, that's going to get complicated, though. I want to go on a co I have to go on my go screen. Here, so. Yeah, go on your screen. It's fine. So Blake will be next. Blake, good. your number five Christmas movie of all time. I've okay as, as a good one because I, I was gonna go with that, but I switched it. I, I didn't want to. I thought Mike was well. Never mind. Let's not get ahead of myself. I'm gonna go number five. I'm switching it up. Great pick, Candace. I'm gonna go with and your brother Dave, your 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 twin, your your clone did mention something earlier about Kevin Spacey. We haven't seen him in a while, so we're gonna go with the Ref Christmas movie. Back in the 90s. That is Great on my movie. list. And that movie is fucking hysterical. Absolutely. The Good call, Blake Wally. Absolutely. Thank you. Folks, if you haven't seen that movie, it is so goddamn funny. And there's all kinds of cursing in it. But it is a Christmas movie. And absolutely, it's going to be on my list. In the dysfunctional um, family, yes. Good yeah, stuff. it's it's hilarious. <laughs> your, your husband ain't dead, lady. He's hiding. Um, Dennis Leary, it's hilarious. I absolutely concur with that. Casey Jones, your number five Chris, favorite Christmas movie of all time. My number five is also kind of funny. Stars Bill Murray, who was not on the Epstein flight logs, but I do yeah. love Bill Murray. Yeah. I'm going to go with Scrooge. Scrooge. Also, I think, on, I think that's on Dave Barris' list. That's all. Awesome. Is it? Okay, that's my number five. Also, fun fact: the taxi driver. Then there, he is the uh, the ghost of Christmas, uh, Christmas past. He is also the New York Doll singer, so he has a part in that movie. So, oh, David yeah. um, Sylvain, I want no David something else, but yeah, yes, yes. And then it starts out with like the UFO crash in the beginning, and then they do the shootout thing, and so that's that's a good one. I'm going to go with Scrooge, my number five, Bill Murray. Scrooge Bill Murray. is your number five. Well, my number five is a holiday film. That you know, I mean, there's a lot of great Christmas movies out there. There's um, what's the one with Darren McGavin, the guy from Night Stalker? It's a Christmas story, which is a wonderful Christmas movie, hilarious. But one of the movies I if you grew up in the, the 60s or 70s, that that one really gets you. But um, one of the ones that I really liked was from I think the, the 1980s, it stars Steve Martin and the late John Candy. And it's called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And it's about a guy who's trying to get home for Christmas, I think, or Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving movie. That's the only Thanksgiving right. movie to ever exist. I'm calling it a Christmas movie and I watch it around Christmas time. So great Planes, movie. Trains. I watched it at Thanksgiving. That's a great movie, Mike. Planes, nice Trains, job. and Automobiles. It is really actually very funny great. and still holiday movie. It's uh, it's so, so well. Okay. So that's it. Uh, Candace, your number four Christmas movie of all time since I picked apparently a Thanksgiving movie. Well, <laughs> this one is an obvious and it's called Home Alone. Um, and I, you know, when I saw it, I actually liked it. It uh, grew pretty thin after a while, but I think Macaulay Culkin was a good pick on that. Uh, he's totally fallen apart as an actor, but he was decent as a kid actor. And I just think it was a, a the setup on it pisses any parent off to think that they would actually leave their kid alone. Yeah. But yeah. The, the dynamic between the uh, the bumbling thieves and, you know, people that he had to deal with and how creative it was in terms of the uh, 
intercutting between the parents and then, you know, his, uh, his putting in traps. And, you know, I, I just thought for a Christmas movie, it was kind of off the wall, but it was very well uh, received. So that's my number four. Absolutely. A huge blockbuster game changer movie. Yeah. That was a, that was a big deal when I was my age when that came out and it still holds true. And yeah, Macaulay Culkin's still kind of an interesting character. Yeah. You went through a weird period. The whole thing thing where he, he's in the videos with the pizzas. He's like putting the pizza on his face, admitting that he was part of Pizzagate. He was, you know, he has a band called like White Rabbit something. That's yeah, White Rabbit, and they play. Pe- they they have pizza as their symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff. So. Going on there. All right, uh, Blake Wally. Yeah, you have a Christmas movie. I was also going to say it's, it's a true story from a couple of years ago. I went back home um, to Minnesota. My parents were actually flying to Germany to go see my uh, some relatives over there, and. I was just sitting there. I was watching them. Like, was like, not paper, where you on demand. I'm sitting like, I'm house sitting and I'm watching the dog while they fly out to Germany. But in the movie, so they actually flew to France and then take a connecting flight to Germany. But they actually, the family at home alone, they fly to France. So to make the story short, I was home alone watching Home Alone while my parents were flying to France. That's a true story. Anyway. That's hilarious, Blake. <laughs> a personal experience. Casey Jones, your number four. Wait, wait. Oh, sorry, number four. I'm sorry, I, I cut out Home Alone. I got sidetracked. Number four, oh, yeah. I'm going to go with one of my favorites, Trading Places. Trading mm-hmm. Places has totally yeah. rock on. Yeah, Christmas. Totally. The ultimate rich, poor, fantastic movie. Dan Aykroyd, um, Eddie Murphy. Just they just killed. That was such a great Jamie movie. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie oh. Lee. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. Wow. Okay. We're not going to say great why. Pick. Casey Jones. Okay. My my number four also has Jamie Lee Curtis, but it also has Tim Allen, who last week was my To Infinity and Beyond, right? Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. It's going to be number four, Christmas with the Cranks. I watch it every year. I love Christmas with the Cranks. Have you ever seen that? Where the that daughter was really well done. Yeah. I yeah, like that. The daughter, yeah. the daughter goes totally. off to and somewhere else. They decide they're going to skip Christmas. They're going to go on a cruise. He gets his face all Botox. They get tan. And then the very last minute, the daughter decides to come home with a new boyfriend. And it's like, they have to do Christmas and get the neighborhood all readied up. So I, I love that Christmas of the Craigs number four. Yeah. Right. Lots of good memes came out from that. And you know, Tim Allen, he's one of the, uh, uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, players that has been um, completely uh, blacklisted because yeah. he's conservative. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, because he apparently doesn't do adrenochrome and rape little kids. It's another reason why he's been blacklisted. Yeah. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. It must be the beer talking. That's twice in one show, Mike. I think we better watch it. Remember, I have to set an example, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Jules loves Christmas with the Cranks. Okay, so I'm going to change my number five since I just realized Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a Thanksgiving movie. Thank you. I thought it was a Christmas movie. I'm going to take a Christmas story for my number five. But my number four. Okay. uh, One of the movies I was thinking of was actually Lord of the Rings. Why? Because I always watch the extended dance versions of Lord of the Rings. Now, if you don't know what that reference means, Casey, back in the 80s, they would like make his hit songs and then they would do a 12 inch single 
uh, of one song and it would be super extended for clubs. And they were called extended dance versions of like Girls on Film by Duran Duran. But the extended versions of the Lord of the Ring movies, I used to sit and watch those around Christmas time. We might pick it up again. They're like, it's like eight hours long, but I'm not going to pick those. I'm going to pick a movie that uh, I first saw with um, a girlfriend of mine. It was a girl that I was madly in love with when I was 20 years old and it didn't happen. She married somebody else. And then when we were in our forties started to happen right for a while. And she made me watch this movie. I hate chick flicks. I fucking hate chick flicks. I don't watch them except she made me watch it. And you know, she was really important person to me and, we ended up in complete balance. I was madly in love with her when we were in our 20s, and she was crazy about me when we were in our 40s, but she made me watch Love Actually, and I know a lot of guys hate that movie, but I don't. I thought it was sweet and funny and hilarious, so I'm going to pick Love Actually as my wimped out number four. That is the only wimpy pick you're going to get out of my top five, but Love Actually is a Christmas movie, and it stars Andrew Lincoln, who was later very became very famous in... Um, uh, Hugh, ja Hugh, not Hugh Jackman, but Hugh, um, what's his name, who was with Elizabeth uh, Grant? Grant. Hugh Grant and Andrew Lincoln, who was in The Walking Dead. And it's it's a, have you, you act like you haven't seen it, Casey. Have you not no, seen it? I haven't oh seen it. Oh, my God. You, I, I, I think it's so funny. You always pick some a sensitive like movie. You get to see a different side of you when you get one of your picks. It's a song or a movie or something. So I don't show that except. All right. Well, that's all we get. Number four. Okay. Well, that's all you get for it. That's all we get from you. Well, actually, my number four. And you should watch it. You should watch it this Christmas. So you'll think it's good. <laughs> Candace, your number three favorite Christmas movie of all time. Uh, I'm going to go with another blockbuster that um, is right up there in terms of one of my favorite movies of all times. And I, I swear it's another Johnny Depp, you know, and I know about Johnny Depp, but it in com combination with Eric Burton, legendary stuff. And this is another one that occurred around Christmas time, although it's in question as to whether, you know, it was on the Christmas list of all time favorites, uh -huh. Edward Scissorhands. Oh, wow. And yeah. yeah. That really was an amazing film. And it was because one of these things that happened is um, that Vincent um, Price was in it. And it was his final role. It was, and, and he had no lines because he nope. could barely speak anymore. But yeah, that was really sad when he passed away. Yeah. Well, uh, it was, he was three inventor, years right? later. But, uh, you know, it was the case where they. He had an incredible career, and I just want to, you know, give a nod to a man that that did it and did it well, and he played the crazy scientist that was behind Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> so, you know, it it was set up well, it played out well, and it had so many incredible scenes in it that just, I mean, they make you laugh because it's just what is the absurdity of somebody that has been implanted with a whole bunch of scissors on their hands, you know, but it was Johnny Depp was at his best. And, you know, that Eric Bur Burton could pull this off was pretty phenomenal. So that's what I'm going to go for my number three. All right. That's a great call. Um, yep. Edward Scissorhands. Interesting yep. film whimsical movie blake your number well i mean it's christmas time of course you're going to have some 
wuss ass movies. Blake, your number three Christmas movie of all time. That was yeah, that was a fantastic movie with the direction and the, the music and everything and yeah, depth. It was it was uh well done. I remember saying that at the theater. Um number three, I'm gonna go Casey already said it, but I'm gonna go with it anyway because it's a great uh, movie and it is a little more Christmassy. That is the uh Scrooged Bill Murray. Yeah, and uh, yeah, with Bobcat Goldwith, it was such a just a yeah, a, a well done like remake of the Charles Dickinson classic, Dickinson. The Three Ghosts. Yeah, it's just superb. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to correct you, but I I did because I oh, what I messed up. Sorry, I'm OCD. I can't help it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know that's a good one, Blake, because I was considering doing the first Scrooge, which is uh, got a different title. I couldn't find anything on it, but I know that it was done back in the 40s and it was uh, black and white and you know it was pretty dang scary but of course you know that whole story is pretty dark so when they did Scrooge and did the update on it they made it a comedy which I thought okay you know <laughs> and that makes it at least a little more palatable but you know that story happens to be a very old tale that they told about what is now known as uh, past lives and so that was kind of like an introduction to all that yeah and then introducing it to the new generation yeah yeah right later terms well it's a christmas it's a it's a remake of a christmas carol isn't it that's what it's right that was the the first one was a christmas christmas carol is there's no good film version of it i don't think um right Four Street is amazing, and It's a Wonderful Life. Those are amazing movies, too. But Didn't but, Patrick Stewart, Captain Picard, even uh, do did, a version of it? Yeah, he did do one, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Um, Casey, your number three. My number three. And I could also go with the Tim Burton, Edward Scissorhands. I could go with that and kind of go with A Nightmare Before Christmas because I absolutely, absolutely love that, but I'm actually going to go with a classic for my number three, and I'm going to go with... Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, the 1946 It's a Wonderful Life. Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart, obviously we love, I love Jimmy Stewart. He was also in uh, Harvey where he played a big giant rabbit. And I've watched all black and white movies with my family when I was a kid. And It's a Wonderful Life is always one that comes up during Christmas time. And then also in the beginning, like where they're all the star systems, where they come together and they say, you know, he needs help. And they send the angel Clarence. And I think that's cool. It's like star systems with a star who's an angel and, comes down and helps him realize, you know, he should have been born to help the town. And, you know, then the bell rings and the angel gets their wings. So that's going to be my That's number right. That, you know, and the director for that was Frank, Frank Capra, who is yeah. just yep. a legend in terms yep. of what he did. And, and there's uh, just nothing wrong with that movie. I think from start to finish, you know, it has some great moments, really excellent acting. They stretched themselves in a lot of ways because, of course, that was a very unfamiliar finish to it, which is where everybody survived. Because, of course, what they showed is if they didn't have um, uh, the lead character that Stuart played, um, what was his name? George uh, Bailey. George Bailey. George Bailey. That how it would have dissolved into this tyrannical, you know, kind of city that. Nobody wanted to live in and nobody, reckoned, you know, so. The bank, the bank guy is very similar to Soros type of style. You know, he wanted to right. thing. Yeah. He's got the money. Yes. That's, there are a lot of things in that one, but who doesn't love Jimmy Stewart? I mean, James Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Grant, Jimmy Stewart. 
It's interesting because it's a lot of people say that Tom Hanks is the modern day Jimmy Stewart, but it's like, I sure hope, I don't think Jimmy Stewart was ever involved in some of the shit that it oh. sounds like Hanks has been involved in. So I hope not. They, they are very similar. They do feel, feel a similar niche in Hollywood films. That's for sure. The nice guy thing. And you know, boy, Jimmy Stewart was in so many great movies mm. and, um, uh, there's another one, Anatomy of a Murder, I think it is, which is, if you, you've never seen that, it's great. And the thing is, people, you know, old movies can be very dated, and they have limitations because of what they could say and what they couldn't say. But there are so many old movies from the 50s and 60s that are just great. Casablanca, I, I remember one time, I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch fucking Casablanca. It was a great movie. I don't care if it was made in 47 or 50 or whatever it was. It was a great movie. And a lot of these movies are are given uh, greatness. They're they're called great movies because they really were, regardless of how old they might be. And that is a is a great choice. So, uh, my number three is the ref again. It was I was going to be on my list. I'm not going to change it because somebody else picked it. It's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, Casey Jones. If you haven't seen it, Candace Whitelight. If you haven't seen it, if you want a good laugh at Christmas, it's not really a Christmas movie, but it takes place around Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, absolutely check it out. Dave Barris says the Patrick Stewart version of A Christmas Carol is great. I have not seen it. Maybe I will have to watch that, Dave Barris. I will hmm. trust you on that. Okay. Candace Whitelight, your number two Christmas movie of all time, please. Well, now that we've loosened it up, <laughs> this one is more recent, but oh, I, I just like Hey, Candace, wait a minute. You're the one who picked Die Hard right out of the box, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty loose as to what's a Christmas movie. <laughs> That's why I did this. No, I, you know, and this is because um, the star is Tom Hanks. And uh, it was a Roger uh, Zemeckis film. And I, I just like the, the, I liked it because the book was good. It was kind of a children's story. And then they, when they made the movie, they made it really more of an adventure action, and they also had comedy in there. Um, it's called the Polar Express, and mm. you know what really it did is it brought a lot of people into a re realization that uh, you know Christmas isn't uh, celebrated the same way everywhere, and this was more of a fantasy version of Christmas that, uh, you know, has to do with a, a big steam train and a trip to uh, the uh, North Pole. And it really covers a lot of ground. And it is about the spirit of Christmas, not just the kind of cutesy sort of superficial thing that we all have lived with for many years. So that's my number two. All right. Blake Wally, your number two Christmas movie of all time. Well, this has been running a lot in, in where I'm at um, on the TV. And yes, one of my, for good reason, uh, one of my favorites. Um, I'm assuming it might be also in you guys' top five, and that would be Christmas Vacation. Oh, Chevy yeah. Chase, so, yeah, you have the original uh, Vacation, which was legendary and amazing. And then the European one kind of bombed. And then they came out with the Christmas one. And it was just from beginning to end, just a, a terrific movie, well-casted, um, great situation. I mean, just there's so many good lines in there. I'm with Cousin Eddie and, and, and all that stuff and all the great characters. Yeah. Is that but, the Chevy Chase National yeah, Lampoon? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, because yeah. Chevy was, that was Christmas his height of his career. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, Casey Jones, you're number two. Favorite oh, my movie of all time. This is hard because I had a lot of number twos coming down to it. Um, 
is between gremlins, love okay. gremlins, and elf. So I'm going to go with elf as my number two. A lot of people, a lot of love for elf Carol, over here. Carol, elf is so great. My kids love it. I love it. You can watch it any time of the year. That's how awesome it is. My number two is going to be elf. Elf. Okay. All right. So um, that's a good call. A lot of people over there have some love for elf. Um, Ashley's saying when Buddy runs into the lockers, when he gets scared after sneaking into the bathroom and singing, it's cold outside, baby's close on, I'm crying just thinking about it. Apparently, it's pretty funny. So, Glenn have you Clark, not seen Elf? Yeah, that's what she says. No, have you not seen Elf? No, I have not seen Elf. It's a wolf. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll watch your The yeah. Ref and you watch The Elf, okay? I will watch mm -hmm. Elf. I will watch Elf. Even though, even though I, wrote, I wrote a script which was picked up by an agent and almost sold like eight or 10 years ago. And, and there were a bunch of jokes in it and it was, it was funny. And, um, and then that same agent had another writer and he wrote uh, a Will Ferrell movie, the candidate, I think it was, or it was a political movie. Mm -hmm. Four of my jokes out of my script ended up in his fucking script. And basically, so Will Ferrell just leaves a bad taste in my mouth for that Aww. reason. But that's okay. That's okay. Getting ripped off. Yeah, That was the only problem with elf was Will Ferrell. He was just such a one trick pony. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I I liked him better on Saturday Night Live. To be honest, he had more yeah. range, you know. And he did. I mean, I'll never forget the one that he did with um, that was about more cowbell. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really thing. and truly, I could watch that a thousand <laughs> times. You know, cowbell but, was a big deal in rock and roll in the nineteen seventies. Not that I would know, but you know. Oh God, and that was you know, and it, it was the uh, Bruce Dickinson, you know, the whole thing, you know, I'm Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> I think the Alex Trebek, Sean Connery bits and on the Jeopardy oh, God, yes, were hilarious yes. too. Yeah, absolutely hilarious. Um, okay, so a couple other things. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York is popular. I like that one because guess what? Our great president is in that movie. A little kid. He is, he is, yes. He's in the lobby of some hotel. He's like, do you know, excuse me, sir, do you know where that is? And Trump, yeah. Trump and he says, oh yeah, I think it's down that way. Take a left and it's right there. Saving so. children all the way back then, right? That's right. Helping, helping kids even even way back then. Oh, and, that's uh, beautiful, yeah. Here's a really interesting call by Brian Laramie. How about this? This is not on my list, but how about Eyes Wide Shut by Stanley Kubrick? Wow. What a call for a Christmas movie. That is not very Christmassy. I will say that. All right. I am stunned that my movie that I'm going to pick for number two is not on anybody else's list yet. And so I'm going to get to completely nail it. Um, but how do you guys say that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is not a Christmas movie? It's it's an hour-long special. It's a movie. It's not a TV show. It's not a half an hour. It's Rudolph the Red-Nosed fucking Reindeer. Okay. And and the awesome thing about it is the, the really bad stop-motion animation. You have the Bumble. I wish I – Dave used to have a Bumble doll here somewhere. You have the Bumble with no teeth. You have Hermie the Dentist who wants to be a dentist. You have Rudolph who – basically is completely shunned by the entire community, including Santa, because he's different. And the only reason they like him is because he can do something for them with his bright glowing red nose, which I think is a really interesting moral choice to, to feed kids. You have the terror of the bumble attacking and eating people. You have Yukon Cornelius. You have all the elves. And then there's my favorite part of it, which is that they're on the island of misfit toys. You guys remember the island of misfit toys? Yes, we do. And then at one point, 
there's the scene you meet all the misfit toys, right? You meet all the different misfit toys. And then later, there's another scene on the island, and they're all sitting around a fire on this desolate island with no trees. And I'm thinking to myself, and this question has never been answered, for the fire, where'd they get the wood, and what happened to the little wooden choo-choo with the square wheels? No one has ever answered that question for me. I only have two questions. Where'd they get the wood and what happened to the little wooden choo-choo with the square wheels? Um, okay. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is my number two Christmas movie of all time. Great movie. I just haven't seen it in like 30 years. It's been a yeah. while. I, was like, I can't even barely remember it. Really, if you watch it, it's pretty sick, Blake. I mean, just the way they abuse Rudolph because he's different yeah. and oh, don't exist in free. They were an outcast. Blowing red nose. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you can do something for us. Now Now you're okay. Yeah, yeah but once it's finally foggy on literally Christmas, then yeah. we'll, you know, yeah, now we'll yeah, treat you exactly. like a normal reindeer. Exactly. Like, and, so. Yeah. I always felt such a connection with Rudolph because he had the red nose and I had the red hair and we were outcasts. So. Yeah, oh, there you go. Always for life. <laughs> <laughs> totally, uh, brother, right. sister, soul bro. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, man. All right, Candace, your number uh, one top Christmas movie of all time. Uh, this is, I'm going to give a uh, um, honorary uh, movie to, uh, which is in your um, sort of arena there with your last pick, um, Charlie Brown Christmas, which um, is really kind of, I mean, it's my, my honorary one because I just, I think of cartoons as being not quite equal to live action stuff. So, you know, I'm, but it was a great story. Got a lot of people sort of into the peanuts thing and, and in 1965, but she said peanuts, folks, yeah. so you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was a cartoon strip and all that. But uh, so my first uh, pick is going to be because Casey didn't pick it. I'm going to go with Gremlins because Gremlins was something that really struck me. I happened to have worked with several of the actors on it. And I worked with Hoyt Axton um, right after he did that film. And he he was on a film I shot up on Whidbey Island that was, uh, and he is quite a nice man. I mean, this guy would take his guitar out and he gave us all a little, uh, he wrote that song, uh, Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog, you know? And oh, he yeah. Gave us all sure. little yeah, the most, froggies, the most yeah. The only song yeah. more irritating than that is the is the Cars for Kids commercial song. That, that I hate that more than Joy to the World, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just, and you know that was that was just his era, you know. And yeah. he was like one of those guys that, that held court. He had people all around him all the time. He was just he loved folks. He loved stories. He he just and he brought Gremlins to life, which was not a great script to be honest with you. But you know the the whole entourage, uh, which included uh, Corey Feldman, who I worked with, and uh, Scout Brady, who was the sheriff. Great, you know, sort of second. Don Steele, um, you know, the, it was just a, a, a nice kind of entourage. And it was very sort of Christmassy. It had that in the background. And then, of course, these gremlins, which there was the good gremlin and then there was the bad gremlin. So, you know, it, it kind of uh, it had a real nice uh, feeling to it. So and the I'm good gremlin go was like Baby Yoda. He was like Baby Yoda. Groove, uh, right. uh, yeah. And he was adorable as hell. So, yeah. yeah. And he, he uh, fostered an entire 
um, what I would say uh, during those period of time, I brought, I made my uh, first daughter's uh, Halloween off outfit, which was a gremlin, which mor morphed into an Ewok later on. And then, you know, I used it years later for other things. So, you know, that was kind of a useful uh, tool. But um, anyway, so I thought it was a good film. And for Christmas time, you know, I just uh, want to say that it's everybody's concept of it because, you know, it was not the time of year that Christ was born. So, you know, eventually we'll kind of get over that. But, uh, you know, we talk about all of the Roman holidays and the pagan holidays. And this sure. happened to be one of those co-opt holidays that, you know, when the early Christians were kind of getting organized and everything, the church got together and, you know, Nicaea there at 325. And they decided that, well, you know, we'll just uh, bring those pagans over to our side and we'll have holidays according yeah. to their, you know, thing. So it mm -hmm. does kind of make everything shift in terms of your perception, but it doesn't change that we should be very grateful for Jesus Christ and that he died on the cross for mm -hmm. us. So. You know, I just wanted to say that and honor that. But it is uh, the case where the movies are have all been all over the map. Not a one of them that we've chosen is really about the real Christmas story, which, of course, is uh, kind of boring. But, you know, it is uh, what the nativities are all about. It's what they, you know, do this time of year, which is camaraderie and sharing and uh, worshiping. Um, and I got to add that uh, one of the strangest things that happened this year was the nativity that was put up at the Vatican. And if you haven't seen it, go take a look at it. It's a travesty to everything that you'd ever wanted to see in a nativity. It looks like a spaceman and his entourage of uh, robots. And um, it's so strange that uh, a couple weeks ago, Do Dr. Taylor Marshall who is a Catholic, and he is uh, the one that has put out the, the uh, work about uh, Vigano, who is uh, supporting Trump, and who recently just put out a, um, a really nice uh, video of himself, which is short, but it is about the uh, Jericho. And it's a very, very crucial time of uh, our biblical history where we talk about that the walls are going to come tumbling down. It was a great parallel to what's going on right now. So I highly recommend it that uh, you go and take a look at that too. By the way, the president just tweeted out, uh, martial law equals fake news, just more knowingly bad reporting. Just I thought I would throw that in there. That's, the president just tweeted that. Interesting. Knowingly. Uh, yeah, a lot of people in liberal media are freaking out about that. Oh my God, martial law. Yeah. yeah. Blake, your number one Christmas movie of all time. Number one. I'm going to go, well, I think it's, um, a lot of people might have this. It's already been mentioned. A Christmas Story. I think this is the best Christmas movie. I think it was so good that, well, with all due respect to um, some of the other ones, I'm already forgetting the name because I'm, I'm drinking. But Christmas Story was so good that, you know, back in my day, 
you know, when Christmas Story was on during the holidays, you had to be at like a specific time. It was like, oh, Christmas Story is going to be on at seven o'clock on, you know, yeah, you got it, whatever. Yeah, and you had to be there. Yeah, and there'd be commercials or whatever, and everybody in the family would have to shut up, or you know, you'd try to concentrate and focus on the movie unless maybe you had the VHS or something. But yeah, and finally TBS is you know as much as I just you know hate that turn Ted Turner, CNN. But at least he had. Well, I don't know if it was. His, it probably wasn't his idea. But to say, hey, why don't we just run that movie twenty four hours a day? Everybody can see it because it's so good. Doesn't matter. You can work the graveyard shift. Doesn't matter what your family thing. You can watch it whenever you want. It's there for you. You don't even have to have a DVR. Any of that stuff. And they made it accessible for everybody. So I thought that was nice. And I think it's an excellent movie. Yeah, there was a time. I don't know if they're still going to do this where they did just play it on a rotation, just constantly during the day, right? On yeah. Christmas, and it was really great. It's a great movie. Um, Casey Jones, your number—that's a good call, Blake. Your number one Christmas movie of all time. Too easy, but I'm taking it. Awesome. Ooh. I just want to say, Candice, that was that was great to point out. Really, the true reason for the season, right? So I, I definitely give you props there. Let's not lose sight of that. Um, and yeah, Blake, uh, that definitely was one of mine as well. But I'm gonna have to go with. Um, it was kind of a toss up between another Tim Allen Christmas movie because for some reason he loves to do those Christmas movies. Um, which would have been the Santa Claus. I love that. I just introduced my kids to the Santa Claus this year, and they love it. It's like the guy's got a little microphone and his thing here. But um, my number one is going to have to be Christmas Vacation because every Christmas Eve, my husband and I put that on, have cocktails, and we wrap all the kids' gifts on Christmas Eve. So that's got to be my number one. And we stick them under the tree, and it's magical in the morning. So. Very, very good call. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. You know, to point out that it, if you have kids, man, that's part of the holiday, right? Yeah. Is the is the parents getting together? If kids are gone to sleep and they got the little, uh, you know, uh, the uh, poem that you read, and then everybody goes to sleep, and you put out all the gifts. So it's a beautiful tradition. Tradition in my house for thirteen years now. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Thirteen years. Yeah. I remember one Christmas when I stopped, just about figured out Santa Claus was my parents. And my bitch sister out in the living room shook all the stockings with the bells on them. And mom and dad came running in and said, hey, guys, Santa's overhead. Santa's around the house. And we were looking out the windows. They totally fooled me. Yeah. Screw all of you. Screw <laughs> it. It was great. It's great to um, go back and remember that feeling. So it's very magical. Oh. Magical. My number one Christmas movie of all time, the number one Christmas movie of all time, which has already been picked by Candace, which is not disputable, which is the shirt that I'm wearing. I mean, I've been wearing this all night. And the truth is that it is not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from the top of Nakatomi Plaza. And yes, I don't care what Bruce Willis says. I don't care what anybody else says. Die hard is a Christmas movie and Merry effing Christmas. <laughs> there are so many good lines in that. I loved it. They had him up against the rails and he says, um, you know, it's like I'd rather be in uh, Pittsburgh <laughs> or Philadelphia. I think he said, yeah, he had so many good uh, lines in that. It's crazy. He, he talks to a nine 11 operator and it's like, I'm not ordering a pizza. <laughs> 
no, that folks totally love it. That folks is what the spirit of Christmas. I hope <laughs> you all can see that because that is what the spirit of Christmas is all about. And yeah, that's what I'm watching on Christmas Eve. Uh, and I wanted to say that was my original number five. It's not holding it, but on that particular stunt, on that scene that you just showed, little fun fact is that was an actual stunt, and Hans Gruber fell 25 feet to do this stunt. Well, it looks like 25 stories. I mean, 32, but yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So we, <laughs> 32 stories. Yeah, I, was was I, I, I believe it is a stuntman, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was him. He did it. But it was like a 25-foot fall in real life. Oh, and so, oh uh, okay. Yeah, they wanted him to look scared. He looks, he really sells it, looks scared. So they were going to let him go on the count of three. They're like, you know, hold on. They're going to let you go. But So on the count of three, but then they pulled it at the count of one. They tricked him oh, to get that authentic, like, oh, my God. You just let, yeah. Those tricky fucking directors. Yeah, yeah. to help those directors. Wow. That's uh, Alan Rickman, his first major part where it just made him a star. I mean, he was so good in that part. And uh, yeah, watch it. It's a great Christmas movie. Um, okay, 284 people are still with us. Thank you for being here tonight. Please do not forget to smash that like button, subscribe to Mike Barrett Official and the Peelback Report, do not forget to follow us on Periscope and Twitch and Rumble, which Casey Jones is taking care of. Do not forget to send us some love on paypal.me slash Bear, which is also the PayPal. You can send $27 plus your email address to paypal.me slash Bear. Get signed up for Jennifer's reading on December the 27th. Also, I don't know, I'm at Mike-Bear. Don't forget to send some love to Casey at paypal.me slash Report. Don't forget to send some love to Blake Wally on paypal.me slash Blake Wally. Do not forget to hit up Candace Whitelight on her Facebook group, Frequency of the Earth, which is an amazing bit of information on eBay. She's Miramum, and you can find her store under the name Miramum. Do not forget our sponsor, UngovernTees.com, and use the discount code RN2021 for some really cool T-shirts like the Child Lives Matter shirt that Casey is wearing. And you cannot get the Hans Gruber t-shirt on that side. I'm sorry. But maybe in the future. Other than that, uh, final thoughts. Let's start, ladies. First, Casey, final thoughts for the night before we go on from here. No, that that was so much fun. And thanks to everyone for uh, being with us and hanging in there. And Candice, as always, you're awesome. And Blake, thanks for joining us. It was it was good times. I love to hear everyone's uh, top five. It's my favorite. So. Candice Whitelight, you're up. Final thoughts. Um, I think next week should be very interesting and make it a happy holiday for everybody. Um, make sure that you just uh, don't stress and stay in flow state. So um, if you do want to send me some money, I did put my PayPal account up. It's at miramom at gmail.com. So I certainly don't mind. It's the season and uh, maybe that would be a good thing. I would certainly appreciate it. It's uh, always about, um, you know, just barely making it. Most of everything I do is service. So yeah. I, mean, I didn't see it in the chat. I'll get it into your banners for all future appearances. Blake Wally, any final thoughts before we go tonight? Just uh, happy holidays to everybody. It's going to be an exciting week. And yeah, hopefully get to take it easy a little bit. And then welcome, of course, to the age of Aquarius. I guess yeah, it's actually really coming. And it's only a few days away. Is that really true? As an Well, we're pretty close. Nobody really knows for sure, but we are pretty close. And it could be any time. And as an Aquarian, 
I am ready to step into uh, the age of Aquarius to my age. Uh, Kiera says uh, 10.22 a.m. is the Pacific time for the official solstice. So if you're in East, the, you know, take 10.22 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and, and figure out what time it is there. And that's the perfect time for you guys to pray and meditate and all that stuff. Um, yes, do not forget, Jen will be back on Monday. It'll be me and Casey Jones and Jennifer Falad-Doring for the um, Monday morning show at 10 a.m. Pacific. Other than that, go Hawks, beat the Redskins or whatever they're called now. Everybody <laughs> have a wonderful weekend. We love you all. Thanks for everything. Thanks for being here. Enjoy your sat the rest of your Saturday night. Enjoy your Sunday time off. If there is breaking news, I will be there. Um, and that's what the little bell is for. When you ring the little bell, you'll get an alert when we go live. Uh, other than that, we'll see you Monday morning with me and Casey and Jen doing another great show. Thanks for coming. Everybody have a wonderful night.